how do you start a podcast? I don't know, man. It's been so long. <laughs> Three months, season two. It's been a quarter of a year. Season two. We're in, that's we're a we're a seasonal podcast. Okay, well, are we? No, <laughs> I was gonna say we like. uh we were gonna record. We were about then... a month ago. <laughs> Intro music is important. <laughs> Intro music is important. We don't have it. <laughs> uh, we we're we we're gonna record, and then uh. I uh, I'm an idiot, and I was like, "Oh man, I was, I'm testing this. I can't hear anybody. Why can't I hear anybody? I'm a loud person. <laughs> brilliant. When I want to be loud, yeah. I realized I didn't turn on the correct speakers uh, yeah. for the computer. I was like, "Hey, is there, are the speakers on? You're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were. I really yeah, I really thought okay. they were, but they got this weird update for Windows 11, uh, mm-hmm. where it's not as easy to change your speaker system, which is why on my PC at home I keep on Windows 10. I don't want to change." Yeah. I'm a traditionalist. I don't want to change because I forget to do it. I'm a Windows 10 red track. I only change when they force me to. Like, you need an update. I'm like, fine. I will do I it. I don't think I've ever <laughs> accepted an update. Really? Not on my phone. He's, or he's, my he's rocking the iPhone 1. <laughs> I, I've never done an iOS update. <laughs> iOS 1.0 on my iPhone 11. He received a text from five years ago today. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I've never updated my iOS. <laughs> it's amazing. Sam Johnson's with us today. Uh, I'm Cameron. I'm John. And that's still Sam. Hi. <laughs> How you doing, Sam? <laughs> good to be here, guys. It's, it, good, to it, it's good to have you. So, uh, John, you don't need your tonsils? D- what? Did you I don't want? need your tonsils. Yeah, I mean, you. Yeah, you don't really need them. No. They're like they're not that important. Do you have your tonsils? Yeah, I do. Oh, I, I'm are... I'm like I've never had a swollen tonsil. It's really weird. Wow. Like when people are like I have swollen tonsils, I'm like I've never experienced that. So, yeah, I have mine. They're still in there. You've never had like a sore throat or anything, isn't that? I mean, like I have. Your... Yeah, but like they don't get that swollen to the point where like some people need like antibiotics steroids like get those babies down i've never never needed that okay so we were talking before the podcast strep throat yeah so i was asking you if you get strep throat can you just let it sit i mean because we've got antibiotics now (laughs) right right and antibiotics weren't around for the longest time so if i'm in the 1300s and i have strep i'm probably already dead but (laughs) What, you could At the whopping just, age of 40. You, you put, couldn't just you, let it sit? You can't put, just let strep right. like, sit? Put leeches on both your lymph nodes. and That's exactly how they Like on the inside, and yeah. then I just slurp them down and for a taste of snack? They, they get leech. the infection out. That's I can't, what, I can't lose do. my blood from yeah. the leeches if I ingest well, you, the leeches. And you have to drain blood from your... Yeah, bleeding out. That's how George Washington died. They bled him out. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, you he had like a simple cold or something like that. SNL episode with Steve Martin. There's a lot of them, I feel like. like. All these, it's like a medieval sketch, and all these people come in with these diseases, and he's just <laughs> having everyone bleed out, and everyone's just dying, <laughs> losing blood. Yeah. They almost bled uh, John Adams out. Have you seen the John Adams HBO thing? They made, like, no, a but I am reading John Adams. I am reading a book on Sam Adams. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, strep throat, though. Yeah. So, what did, they, what did you do for strep throat before we had any better? Well, they did, like mixtures concoctions of like a bunch of different stuff in nature and Probably it usually like works pine needle tea. yeah i mean like they um garlic is a big antibiotic like antibacterial properties um oh arugula yeah arugula is major is that true red yeah. wine actually like fermentation helps yeah so like they would do like red wine garlic onion 
Um, they would use like a copper bowl too, because they're or like silver bowls, because there's antibacterial properties to silver. Probably lots they of like gargling. Mi- yeah, they like mix it all up, let it sit for a while, and then you'd like put it on a a wound and then see what happens. And it actually worked. Like they, um, I was gonna tell you this earlier, but then you like save it for the podcast. I'm like, I will, because it's cool. So it's like MRSA, methylene resistant Staph aureus, like became resistant because of all the antibacts we use, right? And they found this old like textbook from like the hundreds, like long, not even the, not even thousands, but, like the 600. 100 is less eight, than yeah. a thousand. <laughs> yeah. So a long time ago, over thousands of years ago. And uh, some scientists were like, oh, what's this for? Let's see if it works. And it was for an eye infection. It's like a sty. Like, you know, we get styes on our eyelids. And um, sty is like staph. So... They're like, let's see if this works. And it was like garlic, wine, something else, <laughs> mix in a copper bowl. A little bit of urine. Were, were they just re- Oh, you know what it was? Actually, it was a gall. It was like uh, from a gall, like a cow's gallbladder. Like they, like, um, so uh, that was close. bile. Like they took bile from like a cow uh-huh. and they mixed it all together and they put it on like MRSA. Like they mm-hmm. got a MRSA swab. And it destroyed it, like destroy, like it was gone, in like a day. Isn't that kind of like old? Um, yeah, um, sort of like uh, Tobit when they put like the fish guts on Tobit's yeah. dad's eyes because he got cataracts from the uh, bird droppings. Yeah, so like, there's probably science behind that. It's probably not even like <laughs> there. <laughs> Raphael I mean, was the first. <laughs> try it out. I'm not telling people doctor. to put like wine on their eyes, but like because there's probably more to it. But, but Jesus yeah. put clay in a guy's eye, but I maybe it works. Spit and clay. Like, spit yeah. and clay. I feel like there's. I feel like you know he's God, so I mean like right. You know. <laughs> I feel like there's more symbolism to that. Yeah, than, like you know, I mean the guy was healed, but I wouldn't go around throwing clay on people's eyes. I wouldn't either. And my infection got worse when I tried that. <laughs> Did you? Did for, your, for your tonsils? For the tonsils? <laughs> no, no, no. I had, some, I, had some, uh, I had some red eye, and I thought I would give it a shot, but not a, not a good call. Who was the guy that did um, the dry eyes, get oh, yeah. clear eyes? Einstein. He was the teacher from Fierce Bueller's Day Off. Oh, I don't Dry eyes. Get clear eyes. It was like this droney and like every teacher in the world. He's says, actually, I, I think he's actually one of the good ones today. Um, what is his name? He's and, dead. No. No, he's not. Why do I think everybody's dead today? I don't know, man. Yeah, man. You said before that. Emerald, I, thought, uh, I thought Emerald's dead. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're too anxious. Yeah, I'm, he's, I'm just, just, I'm just assuming patient. that like, this yeah. guy's, I'm pretty sure he's dead. <laughs> no, the, the clay, putting the clay in the, in the eyes reminds me of a... Uh, was it Shailene Woodley who like eat clay or something like that? Wasn't she on a clay diet? Is that a thing? Hmm? Shailene Woodley, Aaron Rodgers' ex-girlfriend, wasn't hmm. she eating clay? Hmm. I feel like that was a thing. So anyways, we can get into the uh, actual... Ben, <laughs> ben, St- ben Stein. Ben Stein. Oh, Duh. all right. Nailed it. Is he dead? No. <laughs> He's not dead. He's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say uh, we're we're doing a lot of this uh, homeopathic uh, 
medicine ideas are we just like giving giving too much credit to to Aaron Rodgers clay and I mean they I wouldn't eat clay who's about to be a New York jet right exactly <laughs> if we want to date ourselves I don't believe it <laughs> I don't want to believe it either they he's just a, uh, signed Alan Zard he's on Pat's show tomorrow I know man. but I still don't believe it I won't believe it until you know until I, I'm not upset about it but I don't think it's gonna happen I told a buddy of mine that uh at this point, I believe it's some high, high-level trolling by Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. But like, you know what? Brett Favre went to the Jets. <laughs> I'm going to go to the Jets. <laughs> but I'm just going to make everybody think I'm going to the Jets, and then I'm not, and then I'm going to retire. <laughs> oh, man. That, could you imagine being Alan Lazard? Signed a contract. You're like, all right, Aaron's coming. And then he never comes, so now you're catching passes from Zach Wilson. <laughs> just, what a bummer. What a bummer. It, it'd be sad. Not catching them because they're not I'm, there. I'm so burnt them. out. I'm just so burnt out from the postseason dramatic what's going to happen. This is three years in a row now, which yeah. is yeah. high level drama. It was about more than uh, far. What's going to happen? Yeah. Like, you know, the Bucks are on. <laughs> the so, Bucks are playing good ball. Yeah, I really haven't been. The Badgers aren't. No. They're in the NIT. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are they on tonight? <laughs> I don't even know. No one's going. No one watches it's the spring NFL. break for Madison. Maybe five people. It's not a real game. tournament. <laughs> Even the parents didn't show up. Like, what if you? That's like you win the NIT. Greatest. Are you going to put that trophy in your I'm trophy not. case if you're the Wisconsin Badgers? You're not hanging that banner. You're no not. Way. No you, way. You might get a banner. You're not hanging it though. There's no way. Yeah. yeah I mean, you unless can, you're like a really small school, like it's like, it's like cool Steve, yeah, like Steve, yeah, like some small D1 right. school. Yeah, right. Talking but about Wisconsin, participation trophies. Yeah, the NIT is basically a participation trophy. It's like, like, sorry, you kind of sucked this year, but you're also not that bad. So here's it's like a, bowl seasons. You'd be like yeah. bowl eligible. You've got to win like half your games when half yeah. your games at D1 or fodder anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's like the it's like the D1 consolation prize. <laughs> you suck. Have fun with these other teams that suck. <laughs> and uh, whoever is the best of the losers gets the uh, NIT banner. You don't even get a trophy. Maybe you get a trophy. I don't know. Uh, I've never watched the NIT tournament. Why? Because I spend my time wisely, kind of. North Carolina isn't even going. So North Carolina was invited to the NIT. They're like, we're not doing that. I wouldn't have. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. fo- we're gonna focus inward. <laughs> the fact that you can say no to it just shows like, like who cares? Yeah. Uh, when you've won like seven right. national championships, you're just kind of like, right. I really don't care. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I feel like we've vamped enough. I kind of forgot how to do any of this. I yeah. feel like I've had like such an urge to be back on the podcast. Because I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Right. Because Sam and I are doing Exodus 90 right now. So one of the like disciplines mm-hmm. is to only listen to music that lifts your soul to God. Oh, right. And I'm like, I, I don't know what that means. So, right. I mean, it's, I know what it means, like, but I'm like, yeah. I don't know what that means. Because I love music. And mm-hmm. I talk like I really love punk. Right. Um, and like, not like really hardcore punk. Like, I like <laughs> no, I got you. Pop punk. <laughs> Boy for soup. Like, stuff kidding. like Yanni, you know? Yanni. <laughs> Yanni. <laughs> you ever listen Yanni, to might, Yanni might look like a punk, but he is not a punk. Boiling for soup. A bit of boiling for soup. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but just thinking so, about Yanni makes me want to make a music video. <laughs> I just want to make a music video now. Uh, he's got... Uh, so um, I've got a couple segues out of that. But uh, so one of those... So I, Since I don't know what that means... And I feel like most of the music I love, I love music so much that I'm like, you know what? I just won't listen to anything with lyrics in it. Oh, sure. Like that, that'll be my, that'll be my thing. So I'm listening to a lot of, um, I'm still listening to a lot of classical music, yeah. 
a lot of like I still listen to like trance, EDM, you know, like that kind of stuff. That soundtracks. <laughs> so uh, not so many soundtracks, okay. but like just stuff to keep my energy level up when I'm at and when I'm at work. Fair. So you're basically like Neo at work. Like from the Matrix? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take anything. Be Remember like, when he was like doing code Chinese. in his apartment in the dark and he's like just got house music? Yes. Yeah, and then he got the Oops. message from... Um, Trinity? Or Trinity. Morpheus. Morpheus. No, it's from Trinity. It was from Trinity, but it was... Uh, I forget what the screen name was. White Rabbit? White Rabbit, yeah. White Rabbit. Um, that happened to me once. It was It was awesome. When I was the one. Oh, let's go here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great transition. This is a way better story <laughs> than I got from my segue on Yanni. Now let your imagination do the rest. It, 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 what? All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, uh, so I'm listening to a lot of, a, a lot of podcasts, um, and it's just kind of giving me like the urge to come back. But one of my favorite podcasts, um, now that I've like told you that we're going to be on season two and we've been on like this three month hiatus. So I really love the show in Practical Jokers. Oh, yeah. I really do. And they actually did a punishment where one of the guys had to film um, Yanni when he was on stage. (laughs) But he had to keep getting in the way and like doing all this really dumb stuff so people could see him. It's hilarious. Uh, Look it up (laughs) on YouTube. (laughs) Um, But the two of the guys, uh, Q and Sal, did a podcast called um, It's Fine. It's fine. No, I, I, I know it. I know it looks like it's not. Really I'm recording. scared, man. It's fine. Um, Q and Sal did a podcast called "What Say You," okay, which is is it's really funny. But they had like 75 episodes, and then like they stopped for like a year, and then they came back with one episode that was called season two. That's it. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Just season two, one episode. So I was like, I want to be. I want to go longer. Now it was like 70 episodes. Ours will definitely be longer than one episode, our season two. I, I hope so, because we have a, at least two. scheduled next week. <laughs> um, but we're really excited to have Sam on. I've won, You've been on our short list since we started. Yeah, short um, list. You're, you're on the short list for the, for the longest time when we first sat down. We're like, oh, we want to get this person. We want to get this person. Yeah. And then we're like, okay, we need to stop writing down... Uh, Ordained, <laughs> um, so you are on a, you are on a short list. So it's really great to have you. It's an honor. Um, and thank you for saying that. <laughs> I feel like I've also asked you to be on the podcast like seven times. I haven't said no. You, you've never said no. It's just like, yeah, man, just let me know. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I don't so know what that means. Um, yeah. yeah. So we <laughs> just figured it out, and then I then I finally I tried to schedule one during. The most busy time of the year for you, <laughs> which I mean, isn't typically the busiest time of the year for you. All very, very abnormal, artificial volume happening in my industry. So, yeah, I've been <clears throat> working crazy, crazy hours. But you know, praise God for that. It is what it is. But yeah, this has been a different winter. <laughs> we'll put it that way. <laughs> um, it hits different, as the kids would say. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> um, so uh, we'd really like to. So you're 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 an you're an actor. Mm-hmm. You are a uh, can we can we say what you actually do, or are we you, keeping that a secret from your employer? Oh no, I don't care. So you uh, you work in a solar, mm-hmm. right? You're you're a salesman for solar panels, which is pretty sick. Save the environment, and whatnot. Uh, and, and you went to California, back to Manitowoc, but wherever you want to start, man. I I kind of um, 
I don't want to start it. I never want to start anywhere specific uh-huh. with people because, you know, I don't know your story. Um, so whatever you're kind of comfortable, you know, like, where, did you grow up Catholic? Mm, good. Nice. I like that tee up. Uh, yes, I did. Next question. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's next? Affirm- <laughs> affirmative. Okay, this is easy. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, no, I grew up Catholic and uh, I grew up, I was born in North Dakota and then I grew up in Vermont on the East Coast. So when I think of home, I think of Vermont. Okay. Uh, and through the age of basically like 14, my family then moved to Wisconsin. So huge shift. Uh, and that's when we moved to Manitowoc. So I did not grow up in Manitowoc. Okay. I did not grow up in Wisconsin, which is maybe why I have a slightly less Midwest accent than <laughs> others. How do, you, how do you go from North Dakota to Vermont? Uh, m- my mom and dad uh, will just say they were different. They they felt called to do something different with their lives than do the the local North Dakota thing, which there's nothing wrong with the local North Dakota thing. I love it. Yeah. Um, going back now, I mean, every time I have a chance to go back, it means a lot to me, and uh, I love North Dakota. But yeah, at that time they wanted to be on the East Coast. They love the beauty of Vermont. I don't know if you've ever been to Vermont, but it's, it's one seen of the, pictures. Yeah, it's a special well, it's place yeah. for sure. Uh, so Bernie Sanders. <laughs> what what you Bernie say? Oh, please. Let's. <laughs> I was about to say, it's a beautiful place. Um, apart from that, yes, uh, the nature of Vermont is you know very special, and it was a great place to grow up. And my parents actually were both on tracks for religious vocation, and yet somehow they wound up getting married and procreating four of us. So kind of a miracle. Wow. <laughs> Where do you fall in line? Four. Nice. Numero quattro. Yeah, the youngest. <laughs> the, the privileged. The privileged one. Uh, yeah, I was the youngest. My brother's the oldest, five years older than my sister's two years behind him. Not even two years, really. And they're twins. And oh, then, oh, cool. Right on. And then yeah. I came in. Twins are cool. Almost four years later. So, uh, yeah, awesome life in Vermont. Um, again, dad was in seminary. Mom was actually, you know, discerning. Uh, religious life is a convent at the convent and they grew up together in North Dakota and you know long story short they decided they wanted to get married instead and they did and so yeah our our life as Catholic family was definitely a big part of our identity we never missed mass on Sunday um you know all of us grew up knowing we were loved uh knowing we were loved by God and um you know had some good core essential Catholic catechesis for the most part. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, grew up in somewhat of a, you know, an environment that rationalizes what the world would consider normal. Mm. And there wasn't a great deal of uh, deeper education, which is, I think, common for most Catholic families. You know, a lot of us, we don't... Uh, we don't get the why God's calling us all to be pure, why God's calling us to holiness, to celibacy. Um, you know, the the really empowering part about our Catholic faith. Sure. You know, the, the part that's supposed to set your heart on fire and lead you versus um, don't do this until this point, and then you leave it there. And that's obviously not going to withstand the, 
the crashing waves of the world that are, are trying to intoxicate you mm-hmm. otherwise. So yeah, I for sure became, you know, a, a victim of that mentality growing up into teenagehood. I was an athlete and loved sports, wanted to be a pro athlete. Uh, that did not happen, <laughs> uh, but I still love sports. <clears throat> um, and uh, along the way, you know, I'm fast forwarding through a bunch of stuff because I'll talk forever otherwise. Um, fell in love with acting. Uh, my senior year of high school, uh, we talked. That's how tonsillitis came up. I was sick. I yeah. couldn't play football or do any of the things I normally do, and so I kind of just uh, defaulted to continuing theater once my my voice had healed. And I had thought at that point I was going to go to college for uh, business law, maybe do Air Force, and oh, then uh, be yeah. be that guy. Um, nothing wrong with that guy, but that's the guy I thought I'd be. Um, and then, uh, I continued to do, I finally got to do my first straight theater play by straight theater. I mean like non-musical. Yeah. I was going to say, clarify that one. <laughs> Would it be um, far-fetched? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so it was, uh, Shakespeare much about do about nothing. And I got the part of Leonardo uh, working after like working really hard on the audition. And, um, that was a really exciting part. Cause he had the most lines in the play and that's all I cared about. You know, I just, <laughs> he was like, don't you want to be Claudio or Benedict? One of the young studs or heroes. And I was like, Leonardo has the most lines in the play. Right. And he's like, yes. I was like, I'll be Leonardo. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. Well, wh- why was that? Why did you, you just wanted to speak the most or, um, yeah, I mean, I wanted the most reps, you know, I just, uh, uh, it was an opportunity to, to dive into something that I've been craving so much, you know, musical theater is a blast. I love it. I really do. And it's not like what you would peg me for liking, but mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great challenge. Um, a lot of heart and soul goes into the process and, uh, if it's a good show and if it's done well, then, you know, it's, it's really inspiring. I like to be a part of that process, but my dream wasn't to be on Broadway. My dream was to make films. My dream was to, mm. to, to act um, in that, in, you know, like I said, in, in straight theater. So uh, the opportunity to do Shakespeare and, and dive into a role that would be a huge challenge. You know, I have to play an old man, a governor of a town um, whose <laughs> daughter is uh, basically alleged to have committed a great infidelity and therefore he doesn't know if he's going to disown her or, you know, He's, it's just a it's a messed up play, you know, mm-hmm. total scandal, right? The ultimate scandal, much to do about nothing. So, yeah, I just thought that I was just really excited about doing a character role versus something where I could really lean into it like a, a young guy who gets the girl kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That was boring to me, which I'm glad yeah. was. It's a different challenge. Yeah. And I mean, this is talking about a a total young kid who doesn't know anything about acting, but just is really excited and passionate about it. I decided through that process of talking about a high school play, as silly as it is, the process of spending every night memorizing Shakespeare, working on motives and and just doing all the studying I could to figure out how to act. How do you do this thing and be convincing and be authentic and Mm. have a real experience on stage without that much direction? Um, it's just something that I was naturally passionate about. And at the end of the production, I realized I, I would have slept in the theater if I could. I was raised to do what you love, not do what makes money. And right. so I decided after that, this is the only thing I really love. And so I'm going to go for it. And instead of doing the business law thing, I was a theater major. 
So that's how that all kind of started. Where did you Where did you go to school then? I went to school local here in town for high school at least. Um, I went to Roncalli for two years. Mm-hmm. Family moved to Milwaukee my junior year. I went to Pius the Eleventh, which was an amazing experience. I have to plug Pius because their arts program is is uh, at the time. I can't really speak for it now, but when I was there, I mean, just an incredible place. I, I can't even I can't imagine another experience like it where you. I mean, they were ranked, and this could be made up, I hope it's not, but I, I remember something like they were ranked top five arts high schools in the nation. Yeah, they, oh, have, wow. a good, they have a good art program, for sure. Oh. And kids who, the alumni from Pius go on to do pretty serious industry stuff. Um, I'm not among them, but <laughs> but uh, yeah. But it's, it's cool uh, to say that you're among in that program, though. Yeah. You know, to, to, to say that's pretty neat. I mean, it's the closest thing to learning what, striving to be a professional artist looks like in a high school setting. That's the best way I could define it. And so that was, that was my first time being a part of a production that was really, really strict discipline. You work hard, you have great people teaching you and, and starting to actually, they even have acting classes. So beginning to dig into the theory of acting and the different methods and, and uh, how to break down a scene and, and how to make, make traction um, when you're starting from nothing, you know? So uh, that's that was in a like I said in a high school environment that I've never to this date seen something like that and obviously there are, are plenty of schools in LA and Hollywood and other places like New York that I'm sure these days are really pushing and promoting that but it was pretty cool for being in the Midwest in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Nice, neat. Did you uh, uh, go on to do that in college as well, the acting? Yep. So I was a theater major, VFA theater major. I auditioned to the program at UW Milwaukee. Um, got accepted and then everything that's kind of like that's where everything changed dramatically in my life right. so uh, along the way um, backstory on this isn't that important but essentially somebody in my life brought the idea of modeling into okay. my purview and I had no idea what that was uh, I didn't know people did it for a living I never thought, I just never thought it, thought about right, it. Yeah. I didn't like magazines. I didn't like any of that stuff. I was just fashion, nothing like as dead to me as anything could possibly be. That's what modeling was. Yeah. Uh, and, and then when they brought it up to me, I laughed at it and I'm like, well, no, you, 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 you could probably do this. And I was just like, well, why would I do this? And she was like, well, if you want to act models, get auditions. And so I was like, oh really? Cause you know, the closest thing to me figuring out how to act was watching each real Hollywood story. <laughs> Dead serious. Yeah. I'd stay up late and I'd try catch every single bit of how did they do it? Right. How do you like get a job? How do you be an actor? Like, does it just something magical happens and says, Hey kid, follow me. <laughs> like you're in a movie. <laughs> Like, how do you make that dream happen? What's the practical steps you have to take? There's no guide for it. You know, know, being a kid who grew up in rural America, it's just, it's like really just, you got nothing to grab onto. So yeah, I literally would watch Etro Hollywood and see, okay, you go to Hollywood, you get auditions somehow, you get an agent somehow, and you go on a bunch of auditions and you do it until you get something. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how the old way was. And it actually, that's, that's pretty accurate for what old actors had to do back in the day, but by the time I got to LA, the whole industry, everything was completely different, and that was a that was a really huge learning curve. I wasn't ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, it had all it completely evolved. But that's that's fast forwarding. Um, 
eventually what I did was I, I'd researched the modeling thing and saw that models got auditions. I was like, oh, this person had a background in modeling. This person did. If I can do this weird, strange thing that I have no interest in doing yeah. <laughs> for the sake of getting an audition, then that would be worth it. Right. So um, they recommended that I go to Ford. And I was like, what do cars have to do with modeling? <laughs> And she's like, no, no, no. Uh, Ford is um, one of the top modeling agencies in the world. And I was like, okay, uh, where where do you go for that? And she's like, uh, there's a, there's one closest one to Chicago. And I said, oh, okay. So I went to an open call at Ford Models in Chicago. And this would have been back in 2005. Okay. Um, and uh, she had done some photography in college, so she took some photos of me, and they weren't half bad, to be honest. And... Um, there's a room full of like 50 people, 50 oh, guys. Yeah. yeah. Crazy looking people. Some people <laughs> wearing like scarves on their head and like just a whole new thing for me, man. That's all I can say. Uh, and I was just wearing a t-shirt and jeans and somebody comes out of the door after we've been waiting forever, collects all our photos, leaves. That's it. Comes back in the room, says, uh, everyone, thank you for coming. We appreciate your time. Um, all of you are free to leave except Sam Johnson, if you would stay. And you're like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> what I do? <laughs> I, like, I just sat oh. there. <laughs> Whoa, cool. Um, Easiest job interview ever. Yeah. I just sat there <laughs> in the room and they <laughs> said everyone go home except for me. So, Chris Farley doesn't get away with that. <laughs> but like so, Sam Johnson gets away with that. Nice. <laughs> we want this guy. <laughs> so, that, I, mean, that, I mean, that's the beginning of that story. Um, ultimately, they did not sign me. Um, Close, but not no cigar. But it was at that time, it, it was enough for me to be like, okay, something I, because I looked at the website before and I was just like looking at all these guys modeling and like five o'clock shadows, grown men, super ripped jack dudes. And I was athletic, but I wasn't like a beefcake or anything like that, you know? <laughs> and I was just like, I can't do this. I'm nothing like these guys. No way. But anyways, it, it, it opened the possibilities up. I saw, wow, okay, they called me in the room for a reason I probably might be able to to play ball and and get some opportunities so uh eventually I started getting some phone calls from agencies in New York and they invited me to come for a spring break my freshman year and yeah. I did um and uh for, for uh like modeling agents sorry or yes agents? modeling agencies okay. yeah um and uh I mean, my first time going to New York, I could write a book about that alone. Just the first time. I mean, what a what a crazy crazy experience for someone who's never experienced anything like that. And for people who haven't been to New York or Manhattan, I mean, it's a whole different animal. I mean, it makes Chicago feel like a small town. It does. Yeah. Basically, it makes Chicago feel like Green Bay. That's that's New York. So to be an 18 year old kid who doesn't know anything and thinks he knows everything <laughs> getting thrown into that and then the entertainment industry, no less. Right. I mean, you really are getting thrown into the wilderness, mm -hmm. you know, so um, got some traction in New York and they wanted me to come back for the summer and give a full season a shot. And I was like, OK, cool, I'll do it. Oops. Uh, so I moved to New York that summer after my freshman year and uh, started getting tons of auditions for modeling stuff, super hard, couldn't book anything. And I was, uh, this was a brand new startup agency that signed me. So, you know, uh -huh. you learn the hard way that uh, <laughs> names matter, brands matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, 
you know, you're going against like the top competition in that industry on a regular basis. And so you're losing constantly. But the good thing was I was getting a lot of reps. I was going on eight auditions a day, eight castings, we would call oh my goodness. eight castings a day sometimes. And um, eventually I booked like my first editorial, I think was Cosmopolitan. Ooh. Nice, dude. That's a, yeah. I got one of those little thumbnail. How do you know if he loves you? Like <laughs> things like that. <laughs> um, which is a really funny story. Which is a really funny story. I'll save for another time. Oh, come on. Um, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of gross, but I'll tell it. I have no problem with it. Um, <laughs> that would need really, really. I really need it. Like I really need the story now. <laughs> uh, how long are we going to be here? Because. Um, John and I have been uh, shooting for under two hours. So, shooting for under two? Yeah. Okay. Let's, well, we can go over two. It's fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, okay, fine. Why not? So, uh, we our modeling accommodations. You were. I was told you'll be in a model apartment in Uptown Manhattan. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's that's the that's like the really nice um, political description. Right. Um, which that actually translates to, you're going to be on 135th in Madison, in Madison, in Harlem, in the projects. There you go. Nice. And your model apartment is going to be also where your agent lives, and you're all going to sleep on the floor in a cramped up project apartment that has no AC. And it's going to cost you 5000 a month. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And right. we'll book it out of your, uh, we'll take it out of your modeling uh, bookings, which you won't book for like the first year of your career. So, uh, all, all that was a, ultimately a good experience. You know, I loved, I loved living in the PJs. I loved living in Harlem. I loved, uh, uh, growing up. That was actually something I was really, really passionate about. I loved that culture. Um, and that's a whole nother conversation, but I felt right at home there. Yeah. Um, it wasn't in, in a, Harlem. Yeah. Nice. I felt right at home. Um, having a basketball court right outside my window, getting to play ball in the projects every day and being the last pick on the court until like. They got tired of getting schooled by the white boys, so by like a month of that later, <laughs> I was first pick on the court. There you go. Um, nice. So just all that stuff was just a blast. But in any case, um, my agent was this big, um, I mean, <laughs> I describe him like a six foot six uh, Barry Bonds gay guy. Nice. So imagine Barry Bonds, but super flamboyant. Okay. Right. That was my agent. There you go. Um, That's a great guy to be around in New York, man. <laughs> uh, and he made us uh, like he made like fried chicken, some homemade recipe. Nice, nice. Um, the night before my first photo shoot ever, professional. Photo <laughs> I already liked with his. <laughs> oh man! And I um, I indulged, and it was great. And it didn't take long before. It, uh, it really set in. <laughs> oh my guess. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you have those times in your life when you remember some of the worst uh, flatulence. <laughs> well, this this is up there in every way. Uh, you know, is like just it was like nitroglycerin. The smallest, <laughs> the smallest amount was expansive. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool, it'll be gone by morning. It wasn't gone no. by morning. So I had to carry this bomb with me for my first photo shoot ever. So it wasn't a very flattering experience. So imagine trying it's a very to be flattering experience. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't it's a very bloated flat... as heck, just a... smiling through it. I was uh, super flatulated to be there. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, so anyways, yeah, you're trying to relax and be cool and like be a model and like work for Cosmo. And the whole time you're like sweating bullets like, don't, I can't, I cannot let one ounce <laughs> slip through the like, veil. This is just air too. Man. You know, you spend most of the time avoiding people and you're crop, crop dusting. And, and, like, and then you have like a seamstress putting like, like, doing the hem of your pants and like fitting stuff and you've got people all over you fixing you and you know the whole time you're just trying to keep your body <laughs> composure <laughs> without killing someone so that was that was my first photo shoot ever nice mm-hmm. sounds like a nice experience yeah yeah that's, all, a, that's a all great gassed up for it that's a great <laughs> i was all gassed up yeah <laughs> 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 really gassed up for <laughs> That's it. I'm calling it a night, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm here a week. Let's go. <laughs> so, okay. So, um, so when you see me at church, think of that. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> so, uh, not to toot your own horn, though, but uh, <laughs> it was a good experience. Uh, okay, so we can move past the uh, the the, the cosmoto- Well, cosmopolitan. needless to say, that was the beginning of greatness, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and my uh, my career ended up uh, developing uh, pretty successfully, nice. um, not immediately over time, which, you know, there were some pretty significant events that that um, precipitated that. Um, but in any case, you know, I guess the whole point of telling you any of this isn't to talk about my career and be like, OK, bye. Uh, ultimately, it's no, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> this was really interesting. Thanks for coming. Uh, ultimately. It, it was um, a huge part of the scales falling from my eyes mm. because I was now confronted with, for the first time, what I would call real evil sure. or sure. true evil. Sure. Um, you know, my first time experiencing people who, you know, would basically leave you for dead, you know, use you and, and drop you. You know, I'd never experienced that kind of a cutthroat mentality before. Mm. And so now I was around it on a regular basis. And then uh, in the meantime, you know, there were things going on in my family that were <clears throat> sort of a big contradiction to a lot of the foundations I had, I had been raised with. So I was being confronted with a, a whirlwind of, I would say, uh, uh, emotional uh, trauma mm-hmm. in addition to being faced with constant temptation and, uh, you know, spiritual warfare. Right. And at the time you don't know any of that's happening. It's only in retrospect that you look back and you know exactly what you were experiencing. And only by the grace and mercy of God are you afforded that opportunity. And I'm, I'm, I'm what you would call a, a fortunate survivor. Right. So at what point did you like, so you're modeling, you're, deep in that culture uh at what point did you like or what caused you to be like because you're not there anymore (laughs) yeah you're not doing it anymore Mm -hmm. so what point did you like wake up and be like i i I, I gotta get out of this or what did it take so one of the things i promised myself going into it was no matter how things were going whether they're going really well or really bad but usually you expect them to go really well i'm not going to fall in love with this industry or like Mm -hmm. make a career out of modeling. Even if I can, I'm not going to, okay, this is a means to an end, you know, and the means is to get to learning how to break into the acting industry. Right. 
um, getting my chops and, and learning how to audition and getting an agent for acting ultimately and saying peace to modeling. So I promised myself no matter what, by the age of 25, I was committing to L.A. Okay. And I stuck to that plan. So basically, I moved to Manhattan when I was 19. And after my summer there, one in, one of the providential experiences was, so models, models and actors all cater and bartend. It's just like a classic stereotype. We all do it. Yeah. It's like you sleep on a couch and you book catering jobs to pay for your rent and what little foods you can afford and and that's it and um and then hopefully you book a job and start saving some money but usually it's just like a a a revolving door in terms of income uh you just reinvest 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 and keep living the lifestyle Mm -hmm. um which from like um you know the the world perspective is a blast you know it's it's like every young guy's dream i was living every young secular guy's dream like mm-hmm. every movie you see about that, like that was my life, mm-hmm. um, which is another testimony, a testament to uh, the Catholic faith. It's our faith. You know, like I, I tell the young kids when I give my testimony, because it's, it's, it's an important testimony, not just for teenagers, but I think it's really attractive to them because it hits some pretty interesting points that they're observing and contemplating on a regular basis through media. But... Um, it's also a lot of very real adult experience mm-hmm. um, uh, that, that affects people, you, you know, through, through their entire life, depending on where they're at. But in any case, um, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, what was the last thing I said before I got sidetracked? No, so I, yeah, so I'd ask, like, uh, what kind of got you out of the eaters hang up until 25 like 25 was a hard, like, I'm going to be in L.A. till I was 25. And then. Right. So. You know, waitress, bartender. Waiter, bar- yeah, bartender, catering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Catering. So the testimony to the faith part. So if, if, if our Catholic faith isn't true, if God's not real, if Jesus isn't, if Jesus didn't die for us, if Jesus doesn't love us, if the Holy Spirit's not convicting and pursuing us till we die through baptism, if that's not actually happening, there's no reason at all why it any point in my career, I would be convicted to turn. Mm. Mm. I'd still be doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why, why would I change it? Mm-hmm. If, if hedonism is true, if utilitarianism is true, you know, the means justify the ends, why would I have stopped? Mm. If, right. it, if it was all consensual and I wasn't hurting anybody and I was just doing my thing. Having a blasty blast. Yeah. If, 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 uh, if there's not, uh, if, if, if there's not uh, divine will, divine law, um, natural law, then why would a person turn? Because mm, uh, I right. didn't have anybody say, Sam, you need to change. Right. You need to turn your life around, young man. That didn't happen. Uh, my experience was 100% through, uh, through, a, um, through an experience uh, directly related with God. Um, I, had a, I had a divine experience and... Uh, you know, long story short, ultimately the Holy Spirit started convicting me, but that was down the road. It took years before I got to that point. And, mm-hmm. and I would say what, what led to the beginning of, of understanding, not surrender, but the beginning of understanding was, uh, after, so after my summer, I, I I'm getting a little scatterbrained, but the big point thing that I was going to bring up is at the end of 
catering. That's why I brought up catering. I was doing a job. Uh, it was a Stella McCartney uh, uh, store party, uh, which is like a fashion brand. And like all these celebrities were there. All these celebrities were there and uh, I was passing out waters and hors d'oeuvres and I go to the back and one of the guys comes back and he's like, hey, who wants to bring water out to the hot black chick? And I was like, oh, I got it. <laughs> and so he, he gave me the tray of water. She's, she's, she's like over there on the stairs to the right. So I go out there. I'm looking for this, you know, uh, beautiful African-American woman, presumably. And uh, all of a sudden in front of me is Carrie Washington. Yo. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's you. <laughs> that's literally what i said and she just kind of looked at me funny and, <clears throat> and she's like um and i was like oh sorry uh did you want water <laughs> that probably happens to her right. all the time yeah she's walking in the street look you're probably not the first uh young young white boy to well say carrie it's you the hot black chick flabbergasted in front of her so it was just kind of a funny moment but uh, I, you know, gave her the water and then, you know, I, I couldn't help. I was just like, I'm sorry. I'm a huge fan of your work. I really, and I, I do, I loved her work at that time. She had already done Ray. Mm, um, yeah. the first thing I had ever seen her in was Save the Last Dance. Mm. And she just stood out in that movie. I mean, it's, it's what you would call a chick flick for sure, but, um, she does great work in it. Yeah. Um, and I, I really loved how raw her performances were. So I always loved Carrie Washington. I didn't know her name though, and I said, "I'm so sorry. I love your work, but I don't know your name." She's like, <laughs> "Carrie Washington." I said, "Okay, Carrie Washington." Um, I was like, <laughs> "Do you mind if I pick your brain for a second? And she she said, "Oh, okay, sure." And she was very nice. Wow. And I was like, "I'm I'm an actor. I'm trying to be an actor. Where did you study?" And she's like, "You know, she uh, she mentioned the uh, I think a black art institute in Atlanta." Okay. Mm -hmm. And then she said, but when I'm in New York, I study with Larry Singer. I said, Larry Singer, what is that? And she's like, oh, it's a studio. And I was like, oh, an acting studio. And can anybody go there? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, do you mind if I name drop? And she said, no, go for it. I was like, <laughs> oh my <Okay>. God. <laughs> <laughs> I know Kerry Washington. <laughs> <laughs> so all We're that, tight. <laughs> all that to say, party once. <laughs> that experience opened up a whole new ball game for me because I, I called the studio and I said, "Hey, Larry, um, uh, one." You call Larry, 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 <laughs> Mr. Singer, Larry, Larry, whatever. I whatever I said. Hi, Larry Singer. Is this Larry Singer? And I met one of your uh, one of your pupils, Carrie Washington. He's like, "Oh yeah, Carrie. You know Carrie?" And I was like, "Well, I I met her and she mentioned your studio and and said I could name drop. I I was looking for a place to study," and he was like, "Oh, come on by." So. It turns out it was like the number one method acting studio in backstage in Manhattan. And wow. he decided to let me study there. And that's pretty awesome. Um, it was like, oh, man, I can study in a studio. I don't have to go to a four year program where 90 percent of the material I'm learning is just high school over again and not be six digits in debt because I'm going to be a starving artist anyways. So really, really important. I started calling my acting teachers back in Milwaukee, the head of UW-Milwaukee's theater program, who was actually pretty vested in me. Um, and uh, I called him, left him all messages saying, hey, I need some guidance here. I'm, 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 I'm in this quandary debating, should I come back to the program and, and do it this more linear, traditional way? Or should I start pursuing and living out my dream now by studying in a studio and pounding the pavement? Like, what should I do? Nobody answered my call or called me back. Really? Mm. I was just 
left in the wind on it. And was I it kind just of, like office phones and no one's there in summer? The only or what? phones I knew about calling. I left messages on every. And I think my acting coach from high school at Pius, I think I had his phone number, I, his cell phone, and maybe it was his school number that I had, and I'm, I'm confused, but long story short, nobody got back to me, and I was just left to make the decision on my own, and I decided to, to stick it out and just keep doing it. I was like, I'm learning so much raw street knowledge that you mm-hmm. can't ever learn in a program. Right. And I'm doing it without, again, accumulating the debt. So I decided this was the opportunity that I needed to, to pursue, just start going after it now. So I stayed in New York. And um, I met a girl and for the first time uh, had very strong feelings and thought I was in love and was uh, living out that relationship uh, in a way that is totally contrary to our faith. You know, you can conduct, connect the dots on all those fronts. Um, and on all those fronts, I was wrong. Um, but what, what, why, this, why I'm even bringing this up is because it played a huge part in, um, in, like I said, the beginning of understanding. So along the way, she wasn't Catholic. And uh, I felt super strong, like never felt those kind of feelings before. It was very, very intense. And I was like, oh, I want to marry this girl for the first time ever, like somebody I want to be committed to, blah, blah, blah. And we would talk about that kind of stuff, but she never wanted to talk about faith. Mm. She would always kind of divert the conversation, be like, oh, I'm not ready to do that. You know, I'll get married in the church if you want to, but I just don't want to talk about it. And I was like, fine. But, uh, you know, essentially you start living in a state of mortal sin and stop frequenting the sacraments mm-hmm. and you're no longer in this tight-knit community of protection where you have all these graces you're not even aware of and you're 100% taking for granted every single virtue that you're mm. that you have that's been given to you you know it's like basically being like a spoiled rich kid you know that's <laughs> that's how i would define most most of us catholics for a time mm. spoiled rich kids we don't realize what we're wasting what mm. we're throwing away mm. we have no idea and it wasn't my fault but that's the bare minimum tools i had been given and throughout high school when it was party time and you know the way i viewed women and girls you know, was was very much a materialistic point point of view. It was, uh, like I said, a means to an end. You know, pleasure, fun, have fun. And when the Holy Spirit would convict me, it was very easy for me to say to myself, "Oh, that can't be Jesus. Jesus understands." Like, mm. like Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus can't ex- was around women. <laughs> he can't knows. Me. He can't expect me he to knows like. What's up? <laughs> he can't expect me to want to be chaste and holy. Like, he can't really think that mm. that's something I can do. Um. And, uh, you know, ignorance is bliss, as they say. Mm-hmm. And, and you carry on like that until until it essentially starts to kill you. I mean, and that's kind of how I ran it. I, I, I ran the engines on high until I ran out of oil. Um, <laughs> that's the best way I can put it. But um, that relationship, there was a moment when uh, we were hanging out and she went to go to the bathroom. And I had this distinct thought. And I didn't say it out loud or anything. It was just in my heart of hearts. And I thought, I thought to God, I said, God, I have this tangible relationship that I feel so strongly about and we're so passionately about. I really want this, want this girl. And I really love her. And you are this intangible thing that I, I believe in. And I'm not sure if I love her more than I love you. And the moment... <laughs> The moment I had that thought, that contemplation, it was like a vacuum reached into my chest and 
sucked every mm, wow. ounce of emotional attachment I had to her out. Every bit of that chemical love that mm. people are inebriated on right. and can't think clearly on, like mm-hmm. super drug, um, better than any real drug, gone. I was immediately immediately sobered. <laughs> and it was horrifying. Yeah. It was like it was like reaching in the air to get it back. Like reaching for like the the, the like, no 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 <laughs> put it back put the genie back in the bottle like uh and she came back into the room she looked at me she's like what's wrong like she could literally see a yeah. physical change in my whole energy my appearance like it was gone your vibe no more good vibes <laughs> no more good vibes bro the good vibes were gone man um really harsh my mellow at that time <laughs> Uh, and it was, but it was horrifying. It was really, really scary. And I didn't know what to do. And I was just, oh, uh, no, nothing's wrong. It's cool. And, uh, went home that night knowing that something had been taken from me. And I was, um, wrestling with God in my sleep. Essentially, I was sweating and shaking in my, and I was just like, so upset, so upset that this dream thing that I wanted so bad had, was no longer I was no longer being fueled by it. Mm. And I cried to God and said, why, 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 why? I want this girl. I want to marry her. Like, a, you know, kicking mm-hmm. and screaming. Why, 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 why? I want this. I want this. <laughs> <laughs> give me, give me. I need, I need. Uh, what about Bob reference for all of you guys? <laughs> um, and he was just very firmly, like a good dad, said, no, mm. she's not for you. Mm. And I heard God's voice say that. Like I could hear it. Mm-hmm. No, she's not for you. And you're through like all of the stages of heartbreak in like three seconds. Well, well without getting your heart broken. <laughs> so this is what happened though. This is this is where I made the wrong turn for the first time. Every one of us knows what it's like to be in that relationship when mm-hmm. you're dating in high school, or whatever. And mm-hmm. if you wake up in the morning, you have that sick feeling in your stomach, and you're like, "Yeah, it's time." Yeah, mm-hmm. we yeah. all know that feeling. Yeah, yeah. The, the girl didn't do anything wrong. There's yeah. nothing wrong with her. She's super sweet. She's been nicer than than pie to you. Mm-hmm. You know, she she's been awesome. But you, you're just like, Mm-mm, no, I don't know why, but this is over. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have that uncomfortable conversation. Hey, yeah. <laughs> we all know that feeling. But that's the Holy yeah. Spirit guiding our ship, making mm-hmm. us, compelling us to to turn course. And for the first time, I refused to turn course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I initially did the right thing and I called her and I told her what I was experiencing and she freaked out and she hung up on me and then I freaked out and started calling her like crazy. Um, and saying like, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I take it back. It's okay. Forget what I said. Forget what I said. Forget, 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 forget it. Forget it. But, but at that point it was too late. It the was, milk's out of the jug, man. Milk is out of the jug. But, uh, you know, me being an idiot, I, I didn't give up there. So I, I instead turned to God and said, you know what? I don't want to give up on this. If she's not meant for me, she's going to have to break up with me. And in addition to that, never do this. This is like the worst thing you could possibly ever do. In addition to that, I said, and I don't want the grace to break up with her. I'm going to date her harder now. (laughs) (laughs) I know you said no. uh... And I don't want the grace. I mean, man, oh man, that's like, oh gosh, that's a bad thing to say to God. Um, Never do that. Well, I did that, and, and, and as we know, God respects, God respects us. Um, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't break our hearts open with a crowbar. You know, mm-hmm. He waits to be invited, and then he comes rushing in. 
And um, he allowed me to experience what life without grace was like. Mm. Um, and my life turned upside down from that point on. And that's when I say, that's why I say this moment was the beginning of understanding because until, until that fall, I would have never known. I would have taken it all for granted to this day. Um, but when I say everything turned upside down, I mean, I went from being like the happiest kid anybody knew. Like my, my nickname in high school was Disney, Disneyland. Cause I'd walk <laughs> to class singing songs to myself. Like yeah. I just was super chill, happy, wore my Birkenstocks around, sang songs, was late to class, life was good. Disney, <laughs> Disneyland was my name. I was never upset. Like no matter what was going on in my life, I, I but that's grace. Right. That's that's a gift from God. That's a special special gift meant to be used for God. Mm-hmm. Um but you don't know that until you know it. Mm-hmm. Um was not insecure, you know, like like super confident with any girl I dated, like she could go hang out with 10 guys, which is not a good idea, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, I wouldn't have bothered me. I was just like impervious to insecurity and all those things, Uh, which are all these virtues, Mm -hmm. um, but completely misused and, and not understood. All of that was gone. Like I became jealous, angry, insecure, afraid, depressed, and suicidal. Yeah. All at once. Oof. And it was, it was, it was essentially to the point where being awake was torture. Mm. And I wanted nothing more than to turn it off at the end of every day. I couldn't wait till I could just turn it off so that the noise would stop. And looking back, I know what I was experiencing was at the very least demonic oppression. Mm-hmm because all the grace I had to protect me from that warfare that's constantly circulating around us. Right. But if we're in a state of grace, we're almost, we're almost completely oblivious to it. That's grace. That's the power of God and the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of heaven fighting on our side. That's why we're the church militant. We're in a state of warfare. And I was going into battle totally naked. I was like, don't need this machete. <laughs> don't need this flat jacket. Helmet? Forget that. <laughs> Let's just cruise. David only needed a, <laughs> a sling. I'm, you know, I need that. Here we go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and and you know, all that to say, eventually, you know, God, uh, God called the fight before it was too late, and she called me a couple months later. I think it was New Year's Eve. She called me to break up with me. Oh, that's a horrible day. Um, well, but it was also the best day of my life because <laughs> it, I would have white knuckled it to the mm-hmm. grave probably. Um, and, uh, when that finally happened, you know, I broke down mm-hmm. and I, I repented in my room and I said, okay, Lord. And I was bawling, man. I was just totally broken. I was just a shell of a person, total shell of a person. And at this point I wasn't really messing around with substances at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was drinking, which I shouldn't have been cause I was underage, but I was drinking a lot. Um, and obviously living in a, in a state of mortal sin. Um, not going to confession, not going to mass and, you know, you know, trying to live like a married couple, mm-hmm. a toxic married couple that is without being married. Um, <clears throat> and I cried out and I said, Jesus, uh, if you're really there, if you really love me, I'm going to need you to step in the ring because if you don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to last much longer. Uh, I'm an idiot and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That was the prayer. 
And that was the raw. big. That that's was a great prayer too. <laughs> that's raw though, man. Yeah. That's that's emotion right there. Yeah. And that was the beginning of, and like I said, you, God's not going to pry your heart open with a crowbar, but he'll, through his permissive will, allow evil to afflict you so that you might be saved. Mm. And um, my experience is about as on the nose as you can get in regard to that when people say, why is this bad stuff happening to me? It's so that you might be saved. Um, so that was the beginning of repentance for right. me. But at that point, I was now I was in a very bad state, right? I was super depressed. You yeah. don't just uh, wake up and shing. <laughs> yeah, like, now what do I do? <laughs> it's, it's also a perfect example of like the difference between uh, reconciliation and reparation. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I had been reconciled back to God probably at that moment mm-hmm. in my room, prior even to even going to confession, because um, I was truly contrite and I had nothing but God at that point. There was nothing that I could, nothing could save me other than Him. Um, and actually, I did eventually go to confession, but all that to say, I believe I was forgiven by God in that sincere moment. But lots of reparation, <laughs> lots of, lots of holes in the wall. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. God took the nails out, but there are lots of holes that need to be filled. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, uh, a block of Swiss cheese at that point. Um, so, I mean, is that a good intermission spot? There's, there's more to tell, but that's like, that's like the beginning of me eventually becoming and rediscovering my Catholic faith, which from that point didn't happen for another, uh, like five years. I, I always, um, that's a great, I mean, that's great. I, I, I think bar none, one of the best stories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many times have you told that? So I started giving confirmation talks in California at Padre Serra, a uh-huh. beautiful parish up in Camarillo. Um, and I think I did, I think I did for sure two, mm-hmm. possibly three years. Um, and it was kind of like a regular thing I would do for them until we moved. Mm-hmm. We left California about two years ago, came back home. Yeah. Um, so between that and then I told the confirmation class that I taught that testimony. Mm-hmm. So between three and four times. It is I mean that's flushed out, man. That's that's good stuff. Um, you can always, I mean, you can always tell when a story is well rehearsed and true. You know, um, you know, I can almost see in your eyes that you're like just you're just watching a movie and just telling us what's going on in the movie. Um, I always worry about like because you had this radical conversion, kind of where you're broken down to a point where we are literally nothing. The only thing sustaining us somehow not through no merit of our own is is god um and i always worry that like i had not a similar experience as as much um but i've had moments where you know go you go through that heartbreak and everything hurts and everything is empty and you don't know what to do and you try to fix problems on your own and they come back um and you're just kind of this shell of a person. And it's at a point God breaks in. And he's like, all right, you've, you've seen what it's like without me now. Let's, let's get back on, on track. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I always, I have this war of ideas in my head that everybody needs to go, th- oops, everybody needs to go through that 
to to really be tried in the crucible like that, but you also don't ever want that to happen. Right. Because while it might be like you're 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 kind of on a mountain and then you go to a steep valley where you realize that you really need God and then he brings you back up, you could die at the bottom of that. You could die on the way down and you could die on the way back up. And like I I fight between this like especially for cradle Catholics, which I'm not a cradle Catholic. But God willing, you know, someday my my children will be. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want them to have to go through something like you went through or I went through where they get to a point where you don't realize what you had. Like you said before, you don't realize what you had until it's gone. I realized I didn't realize what I had because I never had it. And I missed 17 years of it. And I felt horrible when I came back. And I realized everything that I did miss, but that my children won't understand fully what they have and they'll have to go down to that bottom where they realize they don't have it together. But I'm worried about their life in that time frame between turning away from God and coming back to God that they would die. Well, what I would say is you definitely do not need to turn away from God to to be on fire. Um, what right. I'd say is that everybody needs to have a real encounter with God. Mm-hmm. Right, and and that real encounter with God more, as I hear more stories and I hear more people talk about it, that real encounter with God comes at our lowest point. Mm. And I want that real encounter for my own children, God willing, have, I want that real encounter to happen bef- not at a lowest point. So, and I have that real, that real fight where we, at some point we have to, we have to kind of rebel in a way and we all rebel because uh, we all sin, but you have to realize your rebellion to choose to go back to, to God. But it's not, it's, it's not a one, it's not a one note, one note kind of a thing because you've got, you've obviously you've got your St. Augustine's and St. Assisi's, right? Francis Mm -hmm. Assisi's who who have, (laughs) who have similar stories to to mine, right? Mm -hmm. In medieval times. Mm -hmm. But then you also have your St. Boniface's and your uh, St. Little Teresa, little Mm -hmm. little Sue, you know, you have these saints who grew up in the palm of God's hand and never left it really. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, St. Boniface at the age, St. Padre Pio at the age of five felt called to vocations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of these saints wanted to be in religious life before they were even 12 years old. Yeah, Carlo Cudis. You, you know, is so, up there too. Oh, yeah. So, so there's plenty of accounts. Um, St. Bernadette, you know, mm-hmm. she wasn't any kind of a wild child. <laughs> 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 you know, you, you have but a yeah, lot of saints. Jose Sanchez Del Rio. You know, who, who don't have to have that experience. Um, right. Um, but then you have the ones again, and all of all of them are experiencing God's gratuitous mercy, right? You know that like we're all we all fall short of the glory of God, and we're all nothing, and God is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but you know, some of the stories are a little bit more uh, um, fiery, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I I don't think the perspective that yeah somebody has to have made the gross errors I've made to come to know God in a, in a real and, and vibrant way is accurate or, or necessary whatsoever. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think you can have an even more meaningful and, uh, and strong relationship with the Lord by avoiding those pitfalls. Because one of the themes, the whole theme that I, I created in this talk that I do with the teens is what you put in your box now matters. Mm-hmm. So picture a cardboard box and all the life events that you fill it up with. Mm-hmm. 
And unless you're like, you know, a Padre Pio, a lot of us put a lot of garbage in that box. Meaning, meaningless, what I would call wormwood, false foundations that we build our identities on and that we put on our Facebook pages to say, yeah, this is the identity I want people to, to think of me with. But it's all garbage. Mm-hmm. It's all garbage. And I had done that my whole life, whether it was with sports or with girls or with being funny and outgoing and crazy and, you know, the life of the party. Like, that is obviously death. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, again, like the nails in the wall, you're going to have to take every single one of those items out manually when you convert. Mm-hmm. The path to holiness won't be skip over that and jump to the top of the mountain. It's like, mm-hmm. no, now you have to go yeah. through that. Mm-hmm. Every single one, you have to go through it. And it's extremely painful. It's extremely difficult. Yeah. And it you sucks. could you could you could progress in the spiritual life and grow in merit significantly faster yeah. <laughs> if you don't do it the way I did it. And the thing too about like the whole pulling the holes out is okay, yes, you pulled the nail out, but now we have to repair the hole with something different. And a lot of times too, like um a lot of sins that we deal with that daily and we we want to get rid of. All right, but now we have to replace it with something different. And sometimes that can be hard for people. Like it's, yes, it's easy to pull that nail out. It's easy to go to confession, but it's harder to to repair it with now something good, you know? And so I think I think uh, that's, that's something that I think a lot of people um, might deal with is like, okay, I, I want to I wanna get better, but I have to get this out of my life. But also too, a lot of these things... Now I have to find good things to fulfill with well, <laughs> instead of bad. So, yeah. It's like the paralytic. Right. He heals him, but he doesn't pick him up and carry him out of the house. He says, <laughs> pick up your bed and carry it. Right. Mm. Yeah. It's hard to pick up your bed and carry it. Exactly. Yeah. Especially, Especially if on Shabbat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. The Chosen. We got to get, yeah. Dude, we, we got to build dude, it's, so chosen, good. Yeah. it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. We watched... Um, our, uh, yeah, I mentioned on the podcast before, but uh, Elizabeth and I have been together uh, by the grace of God uh, for uh, almost six years, right? Yeah. We've almost, almost been married for four. Uh, we've never, even throughout dating and even like up to about a month ago, we never been to a movie theater together. We never like really? seen a movie in the movie theater. We yeah. still haven't seen a movie in the movie theater. Uh, the first, we've we've now been to the movie theater twice <laughs> here in Manitowoc. Um <laughs> To see the chosen both times, nice. <laughs> to see nice. the, the the first two episodes and then and then the last two episodes of of season three. If you're not watching the chosen right now, stop. <laughs> get your, get some help. Get some help. Because <laughs> it's just it's just Brilliant. it's so good and 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 like Jonathan uh, Ramey who plays Jesus is a, a crazy yeah. Catholic. You know, yeah, very very in love with the Lord. Featured on the Halo um, app, he's. I listen to him almost every day. Almost, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like, who do I want leading my rosary today? Okay, yeah, John, yeah, dude, yeah, John, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's there. <laughs> it's so well. It's so well put together. Yeah. Um, we just uh, finished rewatching season two, not too long ago, and I, I definitely told this story in the podcast. But the scene uh, where Mary Magdalene leaves the group. And she goes back to her life mm. and Peter mm-hmm. and Matthew bring her back. And then yeah. Mary, the mother of God, brings her into the tent oh, to really confess to Jesus. Uh, it's just 
Oh, it's, it's such a powerful scene. Every, yeah. like, it's gorgeous. I, I love it so much. And I think Informed, they have a Catholic commentary along with The Chosen. Oh, cool. Um, because it, I don't know if Dallas Jenkins is Catholic. I don't know either. Um, I tried looking up one day. I could have found no, the answer. No, he's not. Yeah. He's, he's Protestant. He, he doesn't He doesn't seem like the, he seems like an a, a yeah. outgoing kind of Protestant guy, but. I really don't care because he's putting out this phenomenal, this phenomenal yeah. product. He's an amazing writer. Product. Yeah, he's that, an amazing writer. Yeah, nothing is, um, to my knowledge, against Catholic teaching because oh, yeah. it's in the Bible, and it's almost like the Bible is Catholic teaching. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you're definitely not watching, I mean, Chosen's phenomenal. Yeah, uh, I finished the Bible in a year. Did you? Yeah, about a couple nice. weeks ago. Nice. So I've now uh, listened to every word in the Bible. There you go. I started the catechism in a year. I uh, realized that I, I needed to start the Bible in a year over again uh, <laughs> at the same time because I missed having Scripture yeah. be read to me. Um, because it wasn't like, yeah, you know, it's not like, you know, I just want to listen to more Father Mike Schmitz. It's I still need that Scripture right. more, and more in my life. So I re-listen to a lot of the episodes, too, because I'm like... I need this. <laughs> it's it's crazy. The more and I I don't know if you probably feel the same way about this, Sam. The more that you kind of immerse yourself in scripture, the more that it comes up. Mm. If mm-hmm. like somehow I'm like reading through, or I read something about ju- judges that day about Gideon or you know Deborah or something, and it somehow comes up. At some point during the day, yeah. How? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, I, I I'd say yeah, I, I agree with that totally. You you seem to attract a lot more signal graces, yeah. When you're when you're reading scripture on the regular yeah. regular basis, I identify with that a lot. Uh, and especially when you spend time in front of the Blessed Sacrament mm-hmm. in adoration, um, there was a time. <clears throat> excuse me. There was a time over in summer where Elizabeth had to miss. Her holy hours are on Monday. And that was back when I was still teaching, so I was off for three months. I remember that it was great. Uh, <laughs> and she asked me to cover cover her holy hour for a couple weeks, right. um, so I did. And like just how I would go about my day and like the thought, my thought processes and the choices that I made um, while I was doing that were it's it it was a considerable difference. Like it, it was a noticeable difference how I how I lived my life, uh, how I thought, how I acted. Um, then when I when I didn't spend time in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and it's not like I was like had a plan when I went there. I just kind of like went. I read a little bit of a book, and then I just would look at Jesus. Um, and our world would say like, "What are you doing? You're just like wasting your time." Not. You're not thinking about something. You're not reading something. You're not having a conversation. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You're just sitting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I am. And and what a what a really cool, what a really great grace that is that God comes to us humbly in bread, um, that, you know, because otherwise it would be terrifying. You wouldn't be able to go in the adoration chapel. You'd be too afraid. Mm. If if Jesus if Jesus was there in His full glory, so He comes right. to us and. In bread, and I think this is a from a Father Schmidt's talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. That's an amazing talk. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal talk. Yeah, Father Schmitz. If you're not uh, if you're not listening, to Father Schmitz. He's on the hall. He's all over the hall. Get some help. 
Um, yeah. So, um, so you had this experience while you're in, were you in LA at the time yet or were you in New York? So, uh, all of this was everything I've shared with you so far is leading up to, um, the next five years, which is lots of falling and getting back up again, but ultimately, um, leading up to surrender, mm-hmm. which, which not coincidentally is when I got confirmed. So, and after I got confirmed is when I moved to LA. So prior. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So LA hasn't happened. Uh, this was New York. And then after New York, when I was 21, I did visit LA for the first time to get a, get a feel for what it was about, but I wasn't ready to, LA is a whole different beast. And, you know, I was the, I was, uh, somebody who needed a city that had amazing public transportation. Um, oh, because LA I didn't have a vehicle, have LA, you need a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the, from that point of, okay, Lord save me, I'm going to die to God saving me from dying, um, was then the next five years of me traveling around and my career starting to blow up modeling wise and doing Europe and lots of stints around the world and developing a name for myself and then eventually being ready to commit to LA. Um, and that, that in between time was, um, uh, a really significant moment. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways I could tell this part, but, uh, how, how are we doing on time? Where are we at? We're good. Good. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'll just start where I left off a little bit. It's kind of cool to see. I mean, it's 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 not cool. It's amazing. The I whole point it, is God's I mercy. Cool. I the, think it's cool. The whole point is God's mercy. Cool. Like, I'm I'm reading the Diary of Saint Faustina right now, and just trying to constant constantly meditate on God's mercy. You know, like His Sacred Heart, how much He loves us, how much we can't even wrap our minds around how much He loves us, and I'm that example. Um, and every time I feel offended, I hear Jesus saying. Yeah, remember you did that to me. And I'm like, yes, I did, Lord. Savage. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, let me slap my face against this cross and carry on, you know? Um, uh, so, totally depressed, you know, n- n- feeling like I'm running on an ounce of life, shell of who I was, to the point where my mom was like, hey, should we put you on antidepressants? Should we get a prescription for Prozac or something like that? You know, because she didn't know what to do. She right. just could see her son was not yeah. himself. And, uh, you know, thank, but again, thank God I had the wherewithal to know and, and to not just say, yeah, let's try that. Instead, I immediately just said, no, no, mom, I know what got me into this and, it, and no drug is going to get me out. Mm-hmm. Um, I put myself in this situation. Um, there were specific choices I made that have caused my life to, to affect me in this way. And, um, Prozac isn't the solution. Um, and she was like, oh, let's go back to school. So we went to look at re-enrolling me back into school. And that felt even worse. And I was like, no, I don't want to turn around. Like, I, I, I really felt like this. I want to keep pursuing this thing. I'm, I'm not giving up on the thing. I'm just jacked up, but I'm not giving up. Um, so I got a phone call. So one of the things that happened in the previous part of the story was I got to go to Miami to meet with at the time, the top agency in Miami called Irene Marie. There was an MTV show about it. Oh, okay. Um, what was that called? Irene Marie. Okay. <laughs> Funny enough. I remember being in college in my dorm, watching it with my roommate, dear buddy, Joe Cott. 
and thinking to myself, man, this show's so stupid. I hate all of these people just judging the crap out of all of them. All these dumb models. And, um, but there's some, you know, it's not worth anything. But I, I remember having this weird feeling like, I don't know why I feel like I'm going to know these people. And I, I had nothing on my radar for modeling at that time. The modeling thing was not little on my radar. Little did you know. <laughs> well, little did I know. I, I ended up getting signed by that agency, and I knew the kids who were on the show. Um, by the way did you introduce yourself as like hey I hate you hey I hate you (laughs) nice to meet you I'm Sam nice to work with you (laughs) Uh, but all that all that pretext to say well when I was sitting on my rump in Wisconsin depressed not knowing what to do next I got a phone call and it was the agency Irene Marie said hey we really want you to come here for winter season and I was like sorry guys I'm broke I mean, I, I really, there's no way I can get there. And they're like, if you can get here, we'll take care of everything else. Yo. And I said, <laughs> deal. <laughs> <laughs> and I told my mom and she was really worried. And as any mom would be sure. <clears throat> in that situation, she's like, Sam, I can't support you. I can't, I can't help you with that. And I was like, it's okay, mom. Don't worry. I'm going to be fine. I'll take care of myself. It's totally okay. And I got a one-way ticket, which <laughs> back in the day, before everything got crappier, <laughs> it was crappy then. Don't get me wrong. It was crappy. I know now it's been crappy for a long time. I know now, but it was, uh, it's way crappier now. And I could get a one-way ticket from Wisconsin, Milwaukee, MKE to Fort Lauderdale for like 89 bucks. Yo. I used to do that all the time just to make everyone feel better about how they, the state and life we're all in right now. But anyways, so I did, I got my one-way ticket to Miami and uh, I had this casting. It was on a Sunday, which is very odd. Uh, usually doesn't happen that way. Um, and it was for German FHM. And it was a very cool editorial. It was being shot like on a yacht in the middle of the ocean. Um, you know, and I went there with my book, which I had some tears from that point, mostly test shoots. A test shoot is a job where you work with a photographer who needs to build their book. So they take pictures of you for free, gives you photos to work with. So I had some tears and some some actual cut sheets from magazines I had been in. Well, anyways, um, they booked me. And it was the high pay, highest paying gig I had been booked to that point. So I go from sitting in Wisconsin, depressed, lost, pain, just like mm-hmm. totally pain, to sunny Florida, getting my first gig that I go, first audition after. And I've been on like hundreds of auditions at this point, maybe booked three. Mm-hmm. I go to my first one in Miami now and all of a sudden I book it and it's the best paying gig I've had. So like, just like God's mercy, like, mm-hmm. like suddenly having vitamin D, mm-hmm. just all kinds of good <laughs> yeah. things happen when you're in the sun versus uh-huh. not. Um, and by no means was that like, Hey, I feel great now. Yeah, no, no. I still was hurting big time. Right. And, uh, I was still completely unworthy of any, any goodness God was showering over me to help me survive literally. Mm-hmm. But I started booking work and I started booking significant work and I was still catering, but I was making enough modeling in Miami now where I really didn't need to even cater. I was, mm-hmm. I was paying bills by working. And um, um, in the meantime, I was trying to fill that hole in my heart with what you can imagine, the world. You know, like mm-hmm. trying to rebuild my masculinity, trying to rebuild my confidence, mm-hmm. trying to re- rebuild my identity as a, like a fun-loving guy who people like to be around. When inside, I was just like torn apart, insecure, and totally confused. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, back to the 
back to the uh, the dumpster uh, for all my sustenance. Um, but God was merciful, and I ended up uh, I ended up booking uh, a really huge editorial uh, in a French magazine called Le Fissile Homme, and it was like a twenty page editorial. So mm-hmm. twenty pages in like one of these Bible sized fashion magazines mm-hmm. was just me. Wow! So that's nice, like a dude. huge editorial, um, just for some framework there and then because of that editorial milan agency germany uh paris agency all wanted to sign me and then i went to europe to do fashion week yo and so i'm doing all this stuff so that's what i mean like i'm doing all this stuff that is like whoa cool awesome but again not because i'm not doing it for the lord right um um meanwhile i'm giving thanks to god Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm praying, like, because like I know God is real, and I know God saved my life, and I know God loves me, but like I'm still not loving God. Mm-hmm. Like God's my lifeline. Like I know that, but I I still am not ready, and don't even know what it means to actually give my life to Him yet. Um, I'm still 100% addicted to, uh, you know, sins of the flesh. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the springboard to my career launching, essentially. And now I'm a veteran, like, I mean, a young kid, but like now I know my way around the industry. And mm. about a year later, I started feeling like myself again. And mm. I'm traveling, doing the thing and living that, you know, fun, loving, modeling lifestyle and everything that goes with it. Mm. So fast forward about three and a half years. This is where it gets good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... My college roommate, Joe Cotta, I mentioned, we had always talked about living out of a van and traveling out west. Neat. And he had just graduated and he was trying to discern what to do. And mm-hmm. he wanted to do this kind of big hoorah thing before he dives into the workforce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he called me up and I had just finished Fashion Week in Miami and living life. And he's like, hey, remember how we talked about that thing in the van? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so I flew back home. And we're packing up the van. And at this time, my brother, who's five years older than me, mm-hmm. and I attribute my whole, not my whole conversion, but a huge part of my conversion I know is because of the prayers and sacrifices made by him and every other religious that I grew up around in this Catholic mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. that was praying for me um, uh, in one time or another. But in any case, he and I were butting heads hardcore because my brother's like super colic. Um, mm-hmm. If you know personality types, like colic would be like Teddy Roosevelt. St. Paul, nice dude. Hitler, um, very. <laughs> <laughs> what a smattering of people! Teddy Roosevelt, yeah, yeah. yeah. St. Paul, oh, all right. Yeah. Hitler, oh. oh. Um, um, Colics, that was a, like I don't I don't know if you like your brother. Or you like your brother. <laughs> the point is they're, they're very. Oh, they're, the, the point is they move mountains. They're sure. they're movers and shakers. Sure. There's there's like no middle ground. They're very black and white. They they make great presidents. They make great saints. Like once they once sure. they have something in their mind, that initiative, there's no, there's no nuance to achieving it. Mm-hmm. So if God is that initiative, there's no nuance in achieving right. it. Like Saint Paul is like the most blunt hardcore of all the uh, mm-hmm. of all the the New Testament apostles, right? Right. Um, so that's and then that can be in the evil side of things. Uh, Hitler was also very effective and efficient at what he did, which was pure evil. Sure. You right. know so. All the personality types. Jesus was Jesus was the perfection of all personality types. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's like a part of our spiritual growth. We all have them. Just some of those traits stand out more than others in terms of how mm-hmm. they're defined. 
but the spiritual life is to grow in perfect virtue in all of them. Um, in any case, we were butting heads a lot because sure. he had had his conversion. And my brother was my hero. Like growing up, he taught me, unfortunately, he taught me a lot of the bad habits that I had developed. You know, <laughs> he kind of showed me the wrong way most mm-hmm. of my life. Um, but that was it. Like, mm-hmm. And he was trying to find his way and he didn't have an older brother to show him. So in any case, he finally had his conversion, his his coming to the mountain moment. And he had truly repented and was praying the rosary and going to mass and confession. And now he's like, oh my gosh, my younger brother. What have I done? I've got to, <laughs> I've got to save him. And Jude's version of saving isn't like, um, hey, let's talk. Let's talk things out. It's like, hey, um, this is the truth. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's cool, bro. Um, I'm not there yet, but I really want to be there. And he's like, no, don't be stupid. Convert. Like, just do it. Just do it. Oh, why, why, why don't you get it? <laughs> like that's... <laughs> We're like Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. do it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Make your dreams. Don't let your reality. dreams be dreams. Don't let your dreams be dreams. I feel like you and I are a lot like that, John. What? Like, what do you just want? Do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do that. Just do it, man. Just stop. Do <laughs> Don't it. Let your dreams be dreams. Stop being dumb. Let's go. Yeah, well, but like amplify the intensity of times like a hundred, and that's my brother. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> so God love him. We were butting heads because I was not, you know, I was, I was just where I was at and he was where he was at. And and so, you know, there was not really any middle ground in him being like, okay, this is where your life is leading you. This is the truth of it. This is my experience. Like that's, that's not how it was. So whenever we would talk, it would come up and he'd be like super hard on me. And I'd be like, okay, bro, I get it. I get it. And I always, you know, we, it's like, I'm used to it. It's not, it Mm -hmm. didn't bother me. It was just one of those things. So all that to say, build the backstory up. I'm packing the van in my driveway with Joe Cott, getting ready to, uh, what was it, a Ford Windstar or something? Nice. Uh, <laughs> and we took the seats out. We put a mattress in the back, and then we loaded it up. And we're packing. All of a sudden, this gentle voice in my conscience, in my heart, says, whatever your brother wants to do, do it. <laughs> Promise. Agree. Whatever Jude wants to do, do it. Promise to agree with him on everything. And I'm like, uh, no, what? <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. It's like a mosquito. No. What? And this thing is bugging me the whole time I'm packing the car. Mm-hmm. And by the time we're done packing the car, this voice, which is so persistent and gentle, saying promise, promise, for whatever reason I submitted by the time we were done packing the car. It's just like I made this covenant. Suddenly. <laughs> which is now obviously the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus. Like, fine. Right. But at the time, I didn't know that. I just didn't know. I just happened. <laughs> and I was like, fine. I'll do it. Whatever he wants to do, I'll do it. I committed to it. I promised myself I would. I had no idea. It just, that's the best way I can describe the experience. Mm-hmm. Sure. So fast forward. We're in, New, we're in North Dakota. My brother's studying for his PT degree at University of Mary. We're hanging out on campus, working out, playing basketball, playing video games, cruising the Mississippi River, having a grand old time. And it was like Wednesday, we just got done hooping, and um, all of a sudden, Jude comes up to me, and everything had been going great. Mm-hmm. Um, Jude comes up to me, and he's like, hey, so uh, you guys want to go to confession real quick? You're <laughs> 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 like, dang it. <laughs> I hadn't been <laughs> to confession um, probably since before my parents separated, which was when I was 17. Oh, yeah. Wow. And that's also, coincidentally, when I be- really stopped going to church because I was so upset. 
Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden church represented hypocrisy and lies and all these mm-hmm. really am- immature, mm-hmm. <laughs> angsty, easy, easy way angsty arguments, arguments are, that you yeah. hear from every teenager, angsty teenager who has no idea what they're talking about and thinks that, man, why does he have a gold chalice, man? That should be like sold for the poor, man. <laughs> um, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> that was me. Same as twisting. I'm going to be spiritual. That That's what I decided. I was going to be spiritual. So for my like, Almost last eight years of my life to that point, I you were Aaron Rodgers. I was, I was <laughs> yes, I was. I was Aaron Rodgers, totally, hundred percent. I really was. I totally was. I was totally like in this like whole law of attraction, manifest it, give gratitude, man. You know, using substances to have heightened realities, all that stuff. That's that why I was doing that. He's right. not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's that, that happens. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. At that moment, I immediately knew what was going on. <laughs> and I so badly wanted to say, mm, not really, bro. But instead I was like, mm, okay, can you do that on a Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> trying to find I any, search any, just for Sundays, any man. hole at all. They're open and, on Wednesdays, like, too. <laughs> like, I knew full well you could, but he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, give me one second. He's like, boop, 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 bring, bring, bring. Hey, Father, it's Jude. You mind if I come by with my brother for a quick confession? Okay, great. See you. Oh, wasn't even, it's not even a scheduled time for the church. You just called oh, Father. Oh, he played you. Oh, just, so hard. I mean, so hard. You, I mean, it's funny because that's how what I do now all the time. I have like yeah. 10 priests in my phone that I, I call on a regular. Yeah. And so next thing I know, we're driving over to the church. And I'm there with Father in Confession. Church is empty. It's just us. Um, and I had my first confession in a really, really long time. And um, one of the unfortunate parts about me is I'm rather stoic, um, not that emotional, which is not really great for acting. Um, I have my moments, but it's it, it and, and sure, I can bring tears on stage, but it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of work where other actors can just be like bawling, man, just talking about my childhood. I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you know, like, Bradley Cooper cries on a regular basis. Do you have to do that thing where you cut a hole in your pants or the tweezers and I start pulling <laughs> no, out like No, I never hair? did that. I thought about it, but I never did it. That was my brother calling, actually. <laughs> um, so all that to say, I was bawling in this confession. Mm-hmm. I was just weeping. Uh, and at the end of it, you know, felt just every, mm-hmm. every, every pound, every pound just gone. Uh, and just persona Christi, man. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus really was there in that priest, and the priest <coughs> was super cool, awesome, awesome, solid priest. And he said, so Sam, do you, uh, do you go to church on a regular basis? Do you go to church on Sunday? And I was like, you know, Father, I'm just more spiritual. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, I'm just kind of spiritual guy, just me and God, you know. He's like, okay, well, that's all good and well, Sam. But let me ask you this. Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? And I was like, yeah, I believe that. He's like, do mm-hmm. you believe that he uh, he died on the cross for your sins and rose on the third day? And I said, yeah, I do believe that. And he said, okay. Well, if you believe that, regardless of how church makes you feel right now, don't you think you could sacrifice 60 minutes a week to say thank you? Hmm. 
And those were the magic words. Those mm. were the words I needed to hear. I, I, I needed to hear it in the context of sacrifice. Right. Mm. But the proper context, mm. which is like, you gave me an impossible answer. There's no way I can say no to that. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, that's not going to work out. You know. <laughs> Let's talk Still about a this. More spiritual, Let's unpack <laughs> this. Let's unpack this a little more, Father. Um, no. So, yes, of course I said, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I can definitely do that. And that mm. was the beginning of me starting to go back to church on Sunday. Nice. And nice. Uh, the most powerful prayer on earth is the Mass. Mm-hmm. More powerful than a billion rosaries. And rosaries are super powerful. That's right. the Mass. Um, so now I have these, uh, I have grace back in my life Mm -hmm. and that was the beginning of our road trip. So that's Mm -hmm. how our road trip started. Nice. dude. (laughs) Nice. And, uh, and it all started with the Holy spirit convicting me to agree with my brother. Mm -hmm. Those little moments of grace where if we listen and, and granted these were what I would call more extraordinary forms of it because I needed that. You know, I was, I was on the milk diet. The spiritual milk. I wasn't ready for <laughs> solid food yet. It was so, like spiritual. So, so I was like, oh, I'm in milk, right? Well, you know, like I'm when you, milk, right? God, God woos us in when we, yeah. in the spiritual journey, he gives us all these graces and, and you know. Um, gives you that 2%. You can't turn back. Yeah. <laughs> all these sweet little wonderful graces that like really get you stimulated. This is real. This is really happening. Mm-hmm. And then he turns down the volume on that so yeah. that we can really learn to love. Right. And we're not coming there just for the candy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in candy mode still. And uh, I started going back to church, started saying the simple Our Father Hail Mary prayers before, mm-hmm. after bed, um, stopped doing some of the extracurricular activities that I had become accustomed to, mm-hmm. um, and uh, was living in Colorado. <clears throat> um, and I think I can skip the rest of that to say that was the beginning of starting to practice my faith again. Mm-hmm. the very first time actually practicing it again mm-hmm. in spite of his tremendous mercy and raising me from the dead essentially back when i was 19 years old mm-hmm. i mean that's i wasn't like immediately converted i was like no i was still totally betraying jesus and, and living a life of debauchery mm-hmm. to that point so fast forward another year i moved back to new york and back at it you know totally failing in every single category. Mm-hmm. But now I was convicted. Mm-hmm. I had that sacramental grace in my life. Mm-hmm. Now when it left me, now when my soul was deprived of it, I felt it viscerally. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, I mean, every time I committed mortal sin and it was a lot, um, I literally felt dead. Mm-hmm. And in the past, it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. very much an ignorance is bliss kind of thing. I was, I was, uh, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but it was different now. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it in ignorance. Every mm-hmm. time was like sting, stabbing mm-hmm. my heart. It was brutal. I hated it. Mm-hmm. And that was beginning of me understanding I wasn't free. Being free to do what you want is not freedom. Right. Mm-hmm. Being free to do what you ought is freedom. Mm-hmm. And then doing it. Right. And I realized for the first time, oh man, I'm a slave. I want to be holy. I don't want to do these things and mm-hmm. I cannot stop. Nope. Mm-hmm. About as real as any kind of addiction I can imagine, whether it was alcoholism or mm-hmm. heroin addict, whatever hard drug you can imagine. Well, that was my life of sin. Mm. I wasn't doing hard drugs. I never did hard drugs. I did drugs, but not hard drugs. Um, 
Uh, and there is a difference, I would say. Uh, but none of them are good. Um, and none of them are okay. But um, I did draw the line. I wasn't just free and loose on everything. Mm-hmm. There were things where I was like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going down that road. Mm-hmm. I did more, we'll just put it the hippie stuff. We'll put it that way. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Aaron Rodgers and I would have been best friends. <laughs> I still want to be best friends with Aaron Rodgers. I think he's searching for God. I think he really is. He just, uh, he's, he's he just doesn't. Uh, I think he might even know it. He just is running. He's running sure. from God. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know. Sure. <clears throat> um, because that that refining fire is scary. That heat requires mm-hmm. change, requires death, mm-hmm. and that's why people hate Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's really what it is. Yeah. Um, so in any case, uh, the the best part about that year is I w- was starting to get back up. I fell mm-hmm. and I get back up, fall and get back up, and mm-hmm. I think that's the year I came across this verse, which to this day means the world to me. A mm-hmm. righteous man stumbles seven times and seven times he gets back up. Mm-hmm. That's what I live my life by. Stumbling, getting back up. Mm-hmm. Righteousness is not determined by falling, it's determined by getting back up. Mm-hmm. We just can't give up. Never stop the fight. And uh, by the grace of God, one of my, my mentor was now Bishop Dan Felton. Mm. Nice. <laughs> and so he, uh, he carried me through that whole journey. Um, I would call him daily and he'd always pick up the phone and talk to me and um, he's just there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I really love him. He means a lot to me. And uh, <clears throat> after that year in New York, and I was going to confession probably five times a week. Yo. Yeah. Whew. Not even kidding. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's there's enough. There's a lot going <laughs> it's, on. It's enough. There's yeah. a, there was a enough. lot going yeah. on, as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so, I mean, that, but that's part and parcel of living in New York. Sure. I mean, and, and living in New York with, without the means to live there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, the most important means, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I could talk about that on a whole different podcast. But uh, <laughs> in any case, uh, I was about to be 25. And so now it was time to save up money for my car to move to L.A. Because that was the game plan all along. Mm-hmm. So I uh, left New York. Moved back to Wisconsin to save some money for a vehicle. And when I would come home, I would come and do these little stints at home, work out of Chicago. That was a great market for me, great commercial market. And, uh, oh, that Ford agency who turned me down, well, they did re-sign me very shortly oh, good. after. There you go. So I ended up... You're working. a big shot now. They, would, they wanted you now. They, they, they <laughs> definitely did. Um, and it was a great relationship, still is. But in any case, uh, I when I come home, I'd do these stints on the farm, a good family out in Valders, I would mm-hmm. milk cows for. They had a farm of like 90 cows, so I'd go pull tits in the fro- freezing there winter, like um, <laughs> minus 30 degree wind chill, minus uh-huh. 14 degrees. Oh my gosh. Uh, the barn's never that cold, but it was brutal getting out there. And the mm-hmm. shifts were 12 and 12. Yeah. So 12 oh, a.m., yeah. 12 noon. Yeah. Eventually they switched it to five and five, something humane. Uh, <laughs> uh, 12, but oh those 12, 12 shifts were brutal. My buddies would be like falling asleep, playing Halo and like drooling on themselves. And I would have to get up and to go into the storm to go milk. <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate you guys so much right now. Um, but uh, at any case, I was, so I was, came back home. I was milking cows and I started working at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And I was just chilling with my, my homies. Like we were just hanging out, doing our thing. Like, which, you know, the debauchery 
not a lot of opportunities in Wisconsin, Manitowoc, Wisconsin <laughs> at that time. So that was gr- a great grace for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, still, you know, the substance stuff mm-hmm. was going on. And um, But now I was also in community back at the parish here mm-hmm. in Manitowoc. So I was going mm-hmm. to Mass. I was going to confession. And um, my, my life was a lot simplified. Right. And mm-hmm. it was during that time Father Dan and I were talking, now Bishop Dan. And uh, I, I don't remember what he asked me, but it was about confirmation, something mm-hmm. about confirmation. And I was like, oh, I'm not confirmed. He's like, you're not confirmed? And I was like, no. And he's like, you need to do that. And I was like, I do. And he's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, uh, I want to do that. I just, I didn't want to do it when I was in high school for bad reasons, but I do now. And mm-hmm. I knew what confirmation was. Like I knew it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit to go out and be, go live your vocation, be mm-hmm. empowered to serve the kingdom of heaven. Like I knew about that and I wanted that. And I chose um, Archangel Raphael as my confirmation saint. Nice. Cool, dude. Because he's the healing archangel. And I needed lots of that. So, um, he was, I got confirmed that Easter vigil here in Manitowoc when I was 25 at the grand site, which I happen to live very close to right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's when I started to hear God's voice again. Shortly Mm -hmm. thereafter, I started to hear that same voice who told me, no, she's not for you. That same voice came back and said, I want everything. I was just driving in my car. And, <laughs> and, uh, and all of a sudden, I just started to hear God basically convict me mm-hmm. and say, you need to give me everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I require everything from you. <clears throat> and I was like, okay, um, everything? <laughs> How about most everything? <laughs> And, um, and he, you know, I, I, I tried to negotiate and, you know, a, a week or two went by and he showed me why I was a total hypocrite mm-hmm. and why it was impossible to not give him everything. Mm-hmm. And so that was the moment of surrender where I came back and I said, okay, I get it. <clears throat> if my current lifestyle is going to lead me to death, if I'm going to die doing all of this, mm-hmm. then I need you to change my heart and I need you to change my mind because I'm addicted to my sin. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, I don't see how this is going to be possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So change me. I'll give you full reign to change. Change me. I want you to win. But I'm an addict, and I'm a slave to it. So mm-hmm. free me, and I'll follow. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of me converting back into my Catholic faith mm-hmm. and pursuing holiness for real. And that's when I moved to L.A. that summer. And um, another very, very interesting experience happened before I left. I'm probably killing you guys on time. But the story, no, you're going to keep going, man, please. <laughs> keep going. Sure? Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I was about to, about a week or so, I got my car, my little uh, Cherry Bomb Chevy Cobalt stick shift standards yeah. with like a busted first gear, but we got her done. And, <laughs> and uh i was passing out refreshers those were the hot ticket at the time you know for refreshers like you know, like a, caffeinated the juices yeah, yeah yeah they still have them they do yeah uh, and also in this um 
shorter woman in like a bandana and a tidy t-shirt is walking towards me. It's a really hot day, rare hot day in Wisconsin. And her shirt says, it's a God thing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of smiled at her. I said, I said, yeah, it is a God thing. Something, something corny like that, right? Yeah. And, um, and she looked at me kind of peculiar. She tilted her head at me and she's like, you believe her? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, I am. And she's like, you sure? Oh, <laughs> I mean, so I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure. And sure? I, now, everything I has is, has a pretext. That morning or the day before, I was in my room doing something, and I said to God, I was about to pack for LA, and I mm-hmm. wanted to know this was what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I was really trying not to screw up anymore. And right. I was like, God, I do not want to do any more stupid stuff that's not your will. <laughs> do you want me to be an actor or not? Should mm-hmm. I not be doing this? Because I want to do it, but I won't mm-hmm. do it. So I would like a divine appointment. <laughs> Those are my words. Uh-huh. I would like a divine appointment. So this little lady in front of Starbucks tilts her head and she says, all right, well, you're going to think I'm crazy, but the Holy Spirit's telling me I got to tell you something. And I was like, okay. She's like, <laughs> Holy Spirit's telling me to tell you this is a divine appointment. What? <laughs> and I get goosebumps telling this story every time. No um, way. And I was like, I'm listening. <laughs> um, she's like, so she went on to tell That's me a awesome. lot of things about uh-huh. myself. Yeah. And um, she told me at the time I wasn't saved. We'll leave that up to, yeah. we won't go into a theological debate on that. Um, but she did tell me some really important things. She prophesied into my life. Um, she said, uh, do you like Christian music? I was like, mm, not really. And she's like, well, the time is going to come when that's all you listen to. You won't have an ear for anything that's secular anymore. Mm-hmm. She's like, um, eventually you're going to read the word of God and you're going to crave it like you crave food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she said, um, you're going to want to convert fast. You're going to mm-hmm. want everything to change quickly. But the Holy Spirit keeps reminding me to tell you that you have to be patient because the Holy Spirit's tilling your heart. Mm-hmm tilling the soil of your heart, how true that is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a long, a lot of rocky soil there. Yeah. Right. Um, and she interrupted multiple times to say, Holy Spirit's reminding you, you really have to remember, be patient. The Holy Spirit's tilling mm-hmm. your heart. And um, I said, uh, okay, that's interesting. And um, <laughs> some other things we talked about. Uh, she prayed over me in tongues and to this day I would say and now I don't really I'm still confused about what speaking in tongues is Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've gotten a little bit more enlightenment um, but I've heard a lot of versions of people speaking in tongues where it really just sounds like gibberish yeah Um, and apparently that I think is still potentially authentic speaking in tongues it's the groans of the Holy Spirit which are intelligible Mm -hmm. but when she spoke in tongues she actually spoke different languages interesting none of which she studied and all I can say is when I closed my eyes, she went from being this short, heavy set woman to like what seemed like a beautiful angel. Mm-hmm. It felt like a waterfall was pouring over me. And, wow. um, and the addictions that I had, which I planned on bringing with me along the way, yeah. uh, I was very much looking forward to that. For the first time after that moment, I felt like I was done. Mm-hmm. And I didn't wow. bring yeah. any with me. And that's a super addictive thing that I was dealing with. That's yeah, not I what got, I hear on Reddit. I wasn't able to stop. <laughs> I wanted to, but I wasn't uh-huh. able to. Right. That was one of the things I was trying to negotiate with God, and he showed me how. Mm. <laughs> it just led to debauchery, and I was an idiot. 
Um, so, uh, and then she said, um, God is going to give you some affirmations. Uh, and one of the, and, sh- and she, one of the things she kept saying is you need to buy, get a Bible. I'll buy you one. And I said, I have money. I can get it. She's like, I'll get you one. I was like, no, I'll get it. I'll get it myself. She's like, you have to do this today. I said, I'm going to do it. She's like, okay. She's like, you need to read the book of revelations. Mm-hmm. You need to know the book of revelations. Mm-hmm. It's very important. And I said, okay. Um, she said some other things. And then one of the interesting things she said as an affirmation, she said, um, I told her I was Catholic. She's like, you're Catholic, huh? She's like, that does it for you? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, that does it for you? <laughs> yeah. She was a good old uh, uh, Messianic Jew. Um, and uh, she said, something very surprising is going to happen in the Catholic Church this year. Mm-hmm. That year, Pope Benedict resigned. Wow. And yeah. two bolts of lightning struck the Vatican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I saw that on the news, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, that's a pretty gnarly story to, yeah. to begin my journey out West, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was a dry journey. Yeah. Which I wasn't expecting. I was like, God, you really have a great sense of humor because like, I'm going to like the, the, the land of this thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Without any of it. Um, <clears throat> so that was the beginning of my true conversion. I moved to California, started working at Starbucks, pounding the pavement for an agent, um, uh, stopping the modeling because, again, I, I promised myself I'd go mm-hmm. cold turkey, stri- fully, stri- solely stri- strictly work focusing on acting. And, um, and that was also like the real battle began, the real battle of like facing my demons, literally. Mm-hmm. Because now I was like, okay, I'm dead serious now about living a life of celibacy mm-hmm. and sobriety and, and like life for God, like really mm-hmm. living my Catholic faith. I want to know it and I want to live it. Um, the version I had growing up isn't good enough. Sure. That version got me, got, sent me to hell basically. Sure. Um, I need the whole, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And, and, and it was a journey of like, just like total up and failure, up and failure, just and like, but now when I failed, like it was brutal. Like I was yelling at God in my bedroom, like, change me, change me, change me. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be holy. Mm-hmm. Give me, let me be holy, God. Why, why? And it's just like, you know, this idea that like, there's no fight in faith, that it's this sterile thing that you read in a book. Like, that's mm-hmm. not it. No. That's mm-hmm. not it. Like, like God wants you to want it. Mm-hmm. If you're lukewarm about your faith, God wants you to want it. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be like your first prayer. Okay, here you go. Here's this grace. Mm-hmm. No, not for me. That wasn't me. God knows every heart differently. I'm not, I can't speak for everybody. Okay. So disclaimer, mm-hmm. can't speak for everybody. <laughs> Speaking for myself, God wants me to want yeah. it. Mm-hmm. He wants me to want it more than anything. And like, that's then that's the constant spiritual journey for me, extracting the passion that I had for every other vice in my life mm-hmm. And applying it towards him. Do I want him more than I want that? Like, really? Am I mm-hmm. really willing to give it up, all of it, mm-hmm. whatever that right. looks like? And in some areas of my life, I can say that wholeheartedly. In some areas of my life, I, I know I'm still holding on. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he told me after I got confirmed, I require everything. Mm-hmm. So the journey is to give him everything. Now, fast forward, that was when I was 25. I'm 36 now. Mm-hmm. So going from being Ann Rogers' best friend model <laughs> to... Uh, what I would call a, a truly on fire 
Catholic, uh, who, who sounds the way I sound now. It's been uh, a long, painful, brutal, beautiful, glorious, merciful, miraculous journey. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that again, all glory to God. Um, I should be dead for a lot of reasons right now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> not just by my own hands, but also quotes of other crazy things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the, the Catholic fire really got solidified after I became really close friends with some Protestant guys, one of which became my roommate, dear, mm-hmm. dear friend to this day. I love him dearly. Um, he was an awesome, awesome, is an awesome Protestant dude, loves the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, he was living an outstanding life, you know, very, very clean, faithful, reads his Bible every day. No, no hanky panky, nothing. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I moved in with him because I, I was desperate to live in a place that was a clean environment. Um, uh, and I'm skipping lots of details to it, but basically, you know, the temptations of the areas that I was most weak in were being shoved in my face, thrown in my right, face. Right. And the place I'd been living got sold. So I had to move in with some coworkers and they literally had, had all the substances I was most addicted to right. just hanging out in open mm. spaces. And mm. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> what am I missing? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not ready for this. Okay. Um, and, uh, I mean, to the point where I basically was like, look, if you're not going to do anything, I will. And I signed up for an anonymous meeting. Mm-hmm. I found oh, nice dude. I, you know, yeah. and that's another point to do. How bad do you want it? Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm not going to lift this bed for you. Pick up your bed and carry it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God was telling me to pick up my bed. Show If you don't want this thing, if you want to be holy, if you don't want this vice, get rid of it. Yeah. Do something about it, son. Yeah. Like a good dad. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Wipe your nose. Get back up. <laughs> um, you know, not this effeminate like, oh, come to me. Sorry. I'm just. <laughs> you know, you, no. Go ahead. <laughs> it's yeah. okay. It's not your fault. You know, No. Get up, do something. So I did. I got up. I went to the anonymous meeting, and that and and the, because I just wanted some support, and so I. Long story short, I only went to two meetings before my buddy's brother called me and said, "Hey, Max room opened up. It's only five hundred dollars. You can move in today." Whoa, mm-hmm. that's cheap. Too. That's cheap for LA, for baby. LA. That was. I went yeah. to two anonymous meetings before that happened. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So that goes to show when you take the steps, when you take the steps to do the work, mm-hmm. God blesses that. Mm-hmm. And in that case, it was also immediate. Um, so I moved in with him and everything changed from that point. Like all the temptation that I was not strong enough to resist no longer was there. Now I was mm-hmm. living in a great environment. Awesome dude. Again, one of my best friends. Um, and he was working with this Protestant church plant group who is pl- trying to plant a church in North Hollywood to reach out to the gangs of mm-hmm. North Hollywood. And oh, I cool. thought that was cool. Yeah. And at this point, I was totally naive to the whole Protestant Catholic division. <laughs> I think I did a report on it in high school, but I didn't learn anything from it. Other than, <laughs> um, and I just, I was like, oh, cool. Jesus in the hood. Let's do this. And all of a sudden I started hearing, they're just doing all these Protestant things. That I was, they're talking about baptizing people. And I was like, what are you guys doing? Um, and, and then they start their little church plant and I start leading music ministry for them. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm, uh, I'm participating in full community at my Catholic church down the road, St. Finbar, mm-hmm. who I became really close friends with the pastor there, Father Francis, dear friend of mine to this day. And I'm doing both things and I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm like, everything's going really well. And um, all of a sudden the Protestants 
started to really dig into the Catholic part. And they mm. started pre presenting me with all these anti-Catholic apologetics mm -hmm. that I had never heard of before. But on the cuff sounded totally absurd. Sure. Um, and you know, now to this day, the ones I've heard a billion times and have mm -hmm. immediate retorts to, like that's mm -hmm. so easy. I can't believe you're still using that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, it was a little bit alarming, which mm -hmm. is why Catholics who don't know their faith convert to Protestantism. Mm -hmm. um, and I love all of Protestants out there too, okay? I just want them all to come home to the sure. fullness of the faith. Yeah. Um, I have no problem saying that. Um, but in any case, all very sincere people, but they were under the impression that Catholics weren't saved. Mm -hmm. And they presented with me all their arguments. And I said, okay, if what you're saying is true, <laughs> I cannot very well continue to be Catholic, can I? Mm -hmm. um, but if it's not true, then you guys should be reconsidering everything. Mm -hmm. And that now put me on the quest to, I know why I'm Christian. I know what I'm pursuing God. I love Jesus. I know that. That I know. Now I need to know, why am I Catholic? Mm -hmm. And so I started digging in. And I tell the, the pastor from that church all the time, I always tell him, I say, hey man, you made me more Catholic than I ever was. <laughs> <laughs> because when I started to, to really look into it, I mean, like uh, John, St. John Henry Newman says, mm -hmm. he, he who, uh, I think what's his, something like, he who, to be steeped in history is to, to, to be steeped in history is to become Catholic, something mm -hmm. like that. What's that quote? Uh, I'm not sure. It sounds right. It sounds like something he would say. <laughs> yeah. It, to be steeped in history is to be in the Catholic Church, basically, is, is the point. So, you know, the first thing I discovered was apostolic succession. One mm -hmm. of the huge resources for me, if you're like a new Catholic or an on-the-fence Catholic and you want to know more about your faith, a great starter resource, resource is Catholic Answers. That was an amazing resource mm -hmm. for me. I was getting yeah. all the classic Protestant mm -hmm questions being answered on a daily basis that nobody else I knew had answers to because mm -hmm. nobody else I knew read the Bible or knew scripture and knew how to put all those mm -hmm. incorrect out of context yeah. allegations in line. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, when I discovered apostolic succession, it was just like a light turned on and I mm -hmm. got so excited like to know that there's actually something that we can give our full intellectual fiat to mm -hmm. our full consent to in this life. There's nothing else mm -hmm. like that in this world. Right. Mm -hmm. The magisterium predates scripture. Exactly. Without it, we don't have it. Mm -hmm. So um, that was like the beginning to basically game over. Um, and then from there, I just, uh, I dove into history and learning our faith and, and knowing the whys for everything. And um, that was it. It was, it was, it was done from that point. So um, that's kind of how we got here. <laughs> what a roller coaster. <laughs> Man, I, I, I got to ask, though, uh, do you, uh, what, are you, what are your feelings towards like the model agency now? Mm. So I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. Um, I speak with my age, you know, former agent every mm. now and check in. And, you know, there's a part of me that debates. But it, uh, at the end of the day, I just don't think it uh, I don't think it can work out. Sure. Um, if if it was just like catalog stuff, like, yeah, mm -hmm. I could totally make it. Couple, but I I don't. At the end of the day, like at this time in life, I can say like, I don't need the side cash. Mm -hmm. So what's the impetus to mm -hmm. do it? Right. Sure. What sure. is, what is there in that? Right. Like, I'm going to go on set and evangelize people. Like, no, that's, yeah. I can just evangelize people in my community here. I don't need to model to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so you don't view it in like a, a, a negative light. Well, like a part of it a, I do for sure. Like um, the industry itself. Oh, the industry a, as a is, whole. Well, I mean, 
So like, here's the thing. I mean, lots of things inherently aren't bad. Beauty is a good thing. It's sure. meant to, oh, yeah. it's right. meant to direct us towards God's beauty. Mm-hmm. Well, when you look at the modeling industry, would you say it's glorifying God? No. <laughs> it's like a, it's, it's abusing. The Coles catalog is all right. Oh yeah. 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 Well, Again, yeah. that's, that's yeah. like I said, that's catalog. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Families. Could yeah. Say, you know. Smiley yeah. people wearing clothes, like right. fully yeah. dressed. Totally oh, yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah but they're yeah. uh, most modeling. I would say is a, is abusing beauty. It's yeah. like mm-hmm. taking beauty and taking advantage of it. And it's exploiting it. Something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's the word. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? That's the word for exploiting. Are you, are you, <laughs> yeah. What's your commodity? Is it, is it the, right. is it the clothing or is it the, yeah. So knowing what I know now, believing passionately what I believe mm-hmm. now, could I go do an underwear ad? No. I'd be like, what am I doing here? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. What's the end of this? Like, mm-hmm. what's the point? Like, yeah, this, this is a, This is in no way beneficial to anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times you too, and with like, I feel like a lot of ads, sometimes I don't even know what the ad's for. Like a lot of times you see an ad and you're like, that's for a car. Why? Why does there have to be a shirtless dude? Why do, why, <laughs> you know, like you don't. You it's don't, a it's a Ford, man. Why, why do we? Why do we have ads for underwear? Like everybody needs it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right. A, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Socks. Like I don't know. I don't How know. is? Yeah, do, do you want? Do you want white socks or do you want like colored socks? Because the white socks are over here. I never look at the brand before I buy socks. I'm like, those socks look fine. You know what? I've never seen an ad for. And somebody blew my mind when they told me this. I've never seen an ad for a Chinese restaurant. Have mm. you ever seen an ad for a Chinese restaurant? Only on South Park. <laughs> no, somebody blew my mind. Like, have you seen ad or a commercial? Like, I've never seen a P.F. Chang's commercial. But we all know it exists. They're, they're nationwide, man. How did they... How did they just say? I've seen. They're so smart. I've That's seen, why they're just smarter than. I know, me. but like I've, somebody blew my mind. They're like, "Have you ever seen a P.F. Chang's commercial?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> well, it's like the Applebee's of Chinese food. Isn't yeah. that also like the? Um, I mean, it's it's good. It's decent. They're like, oh, we don't we don't live in a simulation or anything like that. <laughs> have you ever seen your neighbor bring in groceries? <laughs> I have. Yeah, what? I don't like that one, but yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, but it's like the. It's just like you know. <laughs> but this is one that blew my mind, man. Yeah, that 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 is crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. But I've also never seen like it, like an ad for a lot of things. But I get what you're saying. It's so like, every whoa, place crazy. needs to take the P.F. Chang's mindset of, if it's good, you don't have to. We know you're here. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to ask for likes and subscribers <laughs> exactly. if your stuff's good. Okay. <laughs> exactly. No need for it. <laughs> well, what a what a phenomenal! I, this is my this is my favorite podcast. Is it? Yeah, favorite one. It's my favorite podcast is it of the one? day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I not to disparage oh, anyone. We, anyone we found out. This has just been. This has been a phenomenal. Thank you so much, Sam. Yeah, for for coming by and throwing everything out for us. I really, yeah, really appreciate. Uh, everything everything's working out for you though, Sam's. You know, oh man, I mean, married, beautiful, beautiful daughter. Yep. Um, I I I love every time she goes up. A, because like sometimes I'll be able to like, because I'll distribute communion right, um, and I'll be able to see like her receive, uh, like you do and like yeah. like your wife does, and it's just adorable. And then she goes up for the the children's message, and she's like really excited, putting her yeah. hand out. She's like saying all these like true things. I'm like, I know high schoolers that don't know the answer to <laughs> <Yeah>. that question. <laughs> we sat behind you guys one day too in mass, and 
she was just singing her heart out oh. and it's the most adorable so thing ever. Adorable. like i like my wife and i were just like i really hope our kids sing like that uh-huh. like just in mass because i was like everyone should sing like that and like you could just see she wasn't doing it because she sounds mm-hmm. great but she did i don't know how old she is but she's a great singer but she was doing it out of like the pure joy of just yeah. like being in mass and singing her spirit out. I'm like, girl, we uh, she's yeah. so not self aware. She's just like the most. But like that's awesome though. No, I know it is. Yeah, it's 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 like uh, every time it's just totally what being a child is yeah. about. I mean, it's so beautiful. I is mean, it? she does yeah. her 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 uh, at the conservatory. She does violin mm-hmm. and choir. Yeah, and I mean, this is local, so I probably shouldn't talk about it too much. But like, she she cannot contain herself when she's in the choir like her hands she's miming the song <laughs> nobody else is doing this she's 100% just yeah. act and like it's not prepared it's yep. 100% authentic yeah she cannot help it so yeah she's a total joy she's I mean wow she is um but I can't believe she's my spirit though sometimes uh, like, it reminds me of like man you just gotta like be a child sometimes and just live in that pure joyful moment of I'm in mass. I mean, maybe we shouldn't all like, you know, all be dancing. I don't know. But uh, like sometimes that childish spirit of of just uh, actually actually being blissfully ignorant in like a like like uh, like a non self aware kind right exactly non self conscious kind of way. You're just like yeah. Hey man, I'm just I'm just praising the Lord right now. Right. Just doing what I'm. Doing well, what I want to do. What what I observe in her that I I think is like, and I call, I'm being a parent. You immediately start contemplating the verse in scripture we all talking about. Yeah. You know, unless you humble yourself like a child, you mm-hmm. won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Yes. Yeah. And and obviously that doesn't mean adults should act like children. That's right. silly. But there's there's no jadedness mm-hmm. in kids. You know, there's no uh, there's no guile. Yeah. In it's children, true. like. I mean, it's just there's there's no layers of complexity, and there's the it's, there's just in, innocence. It's just it's, it's just innocent. Yeah. It is what it is. It's yeah. like I can't like I can't stop crying right now. I can't help that I'm crying right now. Right, and I'm just like man, like for the life of me, I can't cry right yeah. now. You know, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's so. It, I mean, it's it's just a beautiful, precious thing. Yeah. Um, and so it's right. and it's uh, it's got to be preserved for as long as possible. Yeah. Which is why we homeschool. (laughs) Nothing wrong with not homeschooling. Not saying that at all. But I will just say that (laughs) I'm I'm not saying that. That is not the. That's not the implication here. No, I get. No, I I I got that implication. (laughs) But but also at the same time, like, yeah. I think it's. I I, I'm um, I'm the on the tennis court at this point between private school and homeschool. It's just not. Public schools not. I've worked in public schools for six years. Uh, no way. Yeah. No. No. That's <laughs> not an option. No way, bro. No way. No way. <laughs> no way. But yeah, like, I, also, um, it, it, I don't care if your your kids in a in a public school or a private school. Like, faith education needs to be at home. Yeah. Like you, you like, kids are sponges. They do what you do. They learn what you tell them. Like, absolutely. Um, faith is a faith isn't something you can get on Mondays and and Wednesdays. Um, we, you know, when we see the middle schoolers and the teens, like I see them for three hours, that's not enough. It, it's, it's not, it, it's not enough. It's we need to continue yeah. the, or, you know, teaching the faith at home and living a life that is steeped in, in liturgy and in the saints and in scripture and in Jesus. Pretty great. Absolutely. Yeah. It's things we gotta, you know, so 
We broke the re- you broke the record, Sam. You broke the I, record. I warned you. The, I told you. Yeah, I don't even care. <laughs> I don't even care. It, it's been two hours, and I didn't even know. I didn't even know either. Right. I, I, it's been great. It's phenomenal. I, 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 your your stories inspired me. I, I, I hope that it inspires yeah. everyone that listens. But um, we are at a, we are at a two hours and eleven minutes, so uh, we are gonna we are gonna wrap up. So. Um, if you would like to, to, to be like Sam, uh, we have a short list going on right now. Uh, but if you want to be like Sam and, and be on the podcast, um, maybe not be like Sam in every way, shape, and form. But, uh, <laughs> Don't be like me. <laughs> if you'd like to be on the podcast, you can email us at humblyspeakingpod at gmail.com. And we will respond in kind, I hope. I think both of us have that Gmail on our phones at this point. Yeah. Um, so definitely, definitely please, please reach out. Um, please pray for for us. Um, we're definitely praying for every single one of you. Uh, amen. How do we end this? With a prayer. Do pray, uh, Father Mike Schmidt style. Yeah, praise dude. Be, praise be Jesus Christ. Oh, there it is. Yeah, praise be go. Jesus Christ. Now and forever. Now and amen. forever. Amen. Wait, 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 wait. Let's let's do the Saint Michael prayer. Okay, sure, man. All yeah. right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. And may God humbly and may oh, yeah, rebuke him. We humbly may, pray. May you rebuke him. We humbly pray by the power of God and cast into hell Satan all evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Yeah. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sam.